Hello and welcome to the Benzo Rehab Dungeon episode 51. It is July 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Michael Debs. Uh, joining me as always, co-host Danko Suvin from the Instagram handle at Dankdeluz. Also, oh, also joining me is uh, uh, John the producer from the Instagram handle at uh, Discopathic. And we have a special guest today uh, joining us. Uh, via satellite phone from an undisclosed location is uh, Teddy K, uh, who is going to give us uh, kind of a, a rundown of uh, Russian history, I guess, uh, specifically uh, in the framing of Russian nationalism. Would that be would that be an accurate thing to say, Teddy? Sure. Yeah, I uh, I didn't brief you guys at all, so you have no idea what's going to happen. I, uh, I don't. Yeah, no, you, you <laughs> kind of seem to want us uh, going into this blind, which, you know. <laughs> It's not the first time I've been uh, no, led into something uh, it's blindly. It's just because I am <laughs> I'm uh, pathologically incapable of coming up with a plan. Oh, so okay, Russian fair nationalism enough. and its consequences, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the thing about it is, is it's such a convoluted topic in that. Um, just again, I, I personally can't stand nationalism, but you can't really separate Russian history out from it, and especially. Um, what the Russians would call Atechistene, or rather the, you know, in insular or, or uh, literally the fatherland-derived study of Russian history, um, domestic, essentially, is so nationalism-driven to this day and has always been. It's very difficult as even a student of history, because I am in no way a professional, to wade through the muck that is um, – sometimes russian history a lot of the stuff is still being fought over to this day it's yeah it's so difficult so to, real uh, quick before we start getting yeah. into stuff um i don't know if you want to give your give yourself a brief introduction um you know obviously you're you're speaking semi-anonymously so you know yeah um but maybe just go over like your your background uh maybe some information on like your study of this kind of thing yeah um again i am i'm not a professional in any way um I'm a first-generation Russian immigrant to the States. I moved over in the late 90s. I was born and raised in Russia, went to elementary school there. Was uh, I was there during the roaring 90s when uh, Moscow was essentially the Wild West, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit. As a kid, it was uh, very interesting because um, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And it, was, it wasn't until we moved to the States that, and you know, I grew up that I... Uh, even started looking into what the hell was going on at the time. And it was baffling that anybody made it out alive, that we made it out alive. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, it was decent times because come 2000, right around the time when we moved to the States, uh, something far more sinister started happening in Russia and uh, is continuing to spiral to this day, um, which again occurred on this axis of when Americans started to think Russia was chill, but in reality, Russia has been fucking spiraling over the abyss. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting from that perspective. Okay. Well, thank you uh, for the introduction. Um, 
Yeah, just uh, <laughs> go ahead and start us off then. Um. Um, again, Russia is uh, so difficult to just even wrap your head around uh, just because <laughs> of the concept of nation states and polities and states and whatever. If you want to get into the textbook stuff, nations have only existed since 1848, in my opinion. Uh, again, uh, th- there was talk, th- there, the word nation was used and nationality and that sort of stuff. But uh States were, of course, ruled by sovereigns or constituent assemblies or what have you, and that's that's different from the political definition of a nation. And that it, 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 peoples or whatever the peoples that you would call Russians aren't even really completely Slavs. Um, there is such a amalgamation of different ethnicities and stuff in Russia that, uh, frankly, even modern Russians don't want to admit to because Russians love to pretend that they're this monogamous ethnicity. Um, just the very name Russia in in English is one thing, but in Russia, there are several words for it. There is uh, Russia or Rasiski, which is Russian from a sense of the state or the the country, and then there's Ruski, which is ethnic Russian. There there are two. So that's not a slur, words, which, is it? No, I was no, always under not. the impression that that was kind of like a slur term. Yeah, rusty. And, and yeah, I, but that's that's that is our word for ourselves. Is, is, I, I is shout that a lot is, when I'm when I'm playing Tarkov and I shoot a Russian in the face. I'm like, ah, die, Rusky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rusty, Rusty. But there's also it's a really minor point that you ended up going over, but I think it would be interesting to people to listen to this podcast. But the the beginning of nations as nation states as we understand them now beginning in like the mid uh, 19th century. Um, that's an interesting concept. And and I, th- maybe you agree with this. I, I, I hope that you do. I, Please expand, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that in my understanding largely is the accumulation of a need for some kind of centralized control of this new form of, of what capitalism is, right? So we have, the beginning of the enclosure of the commons in like the 16th century yes. and this ongoing kind of riotous uh, 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 accumulation and this this bizarre, especially in Western Europe, I'm not nearly as uh, informed about something like Russia, but in, in Western Europe, you have this really bizarre series of uh, of essentially roving armies uh, and these uh, these tied up debts where everyone owes everything everything and it's chaos and then you eventually need to have these uh these firmed up national boundaries and and kind of centralized state apparatuses in order to stop all of this from just becoming a bloodbath right you bring forth an incredible point uh danko in that um indeed i have already lied to you people (laughs) <laughs> it's been oh, what a couple minutes, and I've already lied to you. Because yes, it, you Just could can't say trust that the them. first, the first uh, nation state as such was in fact uh, the capitalist birth of the United Provinces of Netherlands, which would have happened in the 16th century during the 1500s as their separation and um, war, the 80 Years War for Independence from uh, Habsburg Spain. Right. Uh, which of course got folded into the Thirty <laughs> Years War, um, that sort of shit, and. Um, Again, emerging because they are this newfound, completely unheard of, or rather a more efficient version because you have Florence and Genoa and Venice as a proto kind of capitalist thing with still aristocratic feudal roots. Um, so what, what what you're say, saying, I think, in, yeah. uh, in quite a few words, and I have the same problem, uh, <laughs> but is that uh, we... Uh, 
anarchists have to thank um, for the uh, development of the nation state tulips, right? It's all because of tulips. Okay, yeah, yeah, but also grain. I mean, I mean, they they the grain too. Netherlands was oh right, yeah. The Netherlands food and and roses or bread and roses. One point, yeah, (laughs) bread and roses, baby. But uh, yeah, I'll stop interrupting now. But no, please keep doing. I'll I'll talk about fucking Tuscany and the Condottieri Wars for two hours if you let me. But. um, yeah. So first of all, uh, the Netherlands, because this capitalist fucking thing became the breadbasket of Europe. And for God's sakes, the Netherlands is underwater. And yet they were still able to feed. It's, again, it's this, the emergence of this truly, I, I will call this a revolutionary system, completely upends this feudal existence. The Netherlands is able to resist Spain. Full stop absolutely unashamedly the strongest power in the world at the time full stop biggest colonies all that sort of they're able to resist so yes in a sense what i'd like to cover and i guess you know to backtrack about ten thousand years is i'd like to talk about a series of revolutions that have occurred um and at this point i'd like to make a shout out to a guy um who's work i am unashamedly stealing uh, a fellow by the name of uh klim zhukov Klim Sanich, привет. Um, but uh, again, I, uh, he's kind of the historian that does a lot of work on this stuff. His his alma mater is kind of more medieval history, but he's done he's done his work um, oftentimes, um, and that sort of stuff. And and a lot of this I will be unashamedly stealing. Would so you uh, would you like to help? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have You'll to have, like there is uh, absolutely no copyright law. There's absolutely the no copyright law in Russia, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> But uh, would you like but, to uh, yeah, spell for, out for the listener? We'll, 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 we'll just westernize the name and put it in the district. Yeah, Clem, uh, like Shukov. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's a bald Clem, man yeah, with a mustache. What's up, buddy? I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having uh, uh, brain problems. <laughs> he's he's uh, trying to spell Clem Shukov and uh, yeah, yeah, okay. K uh, L I M space Z H U K O V. That's the same spelling of Zhukov as the guy that leads uh, the Soviet army in World War II. Right. Wait, what? We'll get to that. Z-H- that's, that's, in, that's in five episodes. UKOB. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, so the, essentially. The culmination I, of all of these episodes is us finally getting around to Dugan, right? Because I think yeah. that's what all well, the before that, guys we, want. We will, literally, we will literally have to reenact World War II. I mean, I want to get our We'll have to get our Napoleonic reenactment gear and uh, do that stuff. But uh, I've got the Napoleon uh, in exile hair, actually. Um, I got rid of most of it, but I have the same haircut. Very good. Sorry. Yeah, well, the, the pre or post stomach cancer. Uh, but well, <laughs> Eddie, What's up? I, I, I apologize. At the end of this week, my brain is completely broken. That's Could totally fine. Please spell that again. That's fine. K L I M. Yes. Z H U K O V. It should come up in Google as Russian science fiction writer, but he is far more than that. He is far more than that. The second, the second Google entry is of course in Russian, but that's his Wikipedia page. That's what he looks like, Um, and he is by profession a historian. Uh, but he's, I guess, more famous as a science fiction writer. But he writes some pretty hard sci-fi, and I enjoy it too. Awesome. But. Again, uh, the guy's really focused on authenticity and, you know, that sort of stuff. They do. uh, He he has a YouTube channel that does breakdowns of inaccuracies and like how armor looks in Western (laughs) fucking. He tore the Witcher apart. 
a toilet. Oh, no oh, doubt. Fuck. I think I've seen some of this guy's videos. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. No, let's, <laughs> pretty, let's continue. Yeah. 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 Again, not a perfect guy. I do not vouch for his every everything he says. Again, in Russia, there's a, there there is a lot of homophobia. There is a lot of racism in Russia to this day. I do not make apologies for it. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. To, to be honest, we're we're only allowed to bring up people on this podcast we agree with entirely. So oh no, yeah, yeah, gosh. that's that's something oh, that yeah. like we only ever brought those people up. Oh, By the no. way, Nick Lance said something really interesting on Twitter recently. <laughs> so, sorry. Okay, Teddy, please, no, please uh, tell me. Yeah, I, 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 no, he's just joking. He, he never he's says anything joking. interesting. It was something about cat boys, probably, or like hyper racism. Yeah. I'm all about it. Not hyper racism. <laughs> uh, cat boys. I'm more about. I'm all yes. about cat boys. Oh, yeah. we're all about cat boys. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. um this goes back to the Communist Manifesto, uh, but uh, essentially there's a series of revolutions that occur throughout human development. The first one being the Neolithic Revolution, wherein people that have essentially existed in this primitive uh, anarcho-communist, anarcho or primitive anarchist state, you can define it as whatever you will, whether matriarchal or patriarchal or what have you, anthropologically settle down and start farming, start uh building palisades around their little settlements start to war over land that sort of thing eventually people realize that uh through having slaves you can get a lot more shit done so you have the slave owning revolution and eventually you have these great uh cultures that are able to subdivide labor outsource the labor to slaves so other people can read and other people can write and people can create works of art and that sort of thing and unfortunately that's just how human society evolved um, that's how Egypt comes to be in Sumer and, uh, you know, what is it, Han China? Or is it prior to that? Uh, this reminds me of the shit you guys were posting earlier with the Qin Shi Huang and all that. Uh, but, um, <laughs> of course, Rome, uh, Rome had a very interesting uh, slave system in that, again, I am not apologizing for slavery. I will never apologize for slavery because it's horrible and terrible but in rome uh, people had a chance to become free and and some viewed it as kind of um almost like uh getting started in a trade you would move right. to rome as a slave you sometimes would sell yourself into slavery or be captured but in rome you work x amount of time and the possibility existed that you could come out with a roman name a roman citizenship you can do stuff but you, uh, towards the end of the roman empire you have this kind of proto-capitalist or rather imperialist which is again the final stage of capitalism you have this system of consumption in that the entire empire exists to quite literally supply rome rome a city of several million people in the ancient world was incredible again this is uh, this is right out of mary uh, right out of mary beard's meet the romans and spqr and all that so again mary uh, mary beard is a wonderful classicist uh if you guys aren't familiar with the work please look her up she's incredible um but yeah, as she talks about both the slavery aspect and the stuff that how you can you can be somebody in Rome, but at the same time, Rome chewed through people living in squalor, living in filth, uh, diseases, all that stuff. Rome is dirty, dingy, nasty, uh, a horrible place to live. But at the same time, it's the only place you can make it. So Rome this place, is just grad school. Yeah, Rome like, chewed yeah. people alive. <laughs> died, people died by the thousands. So there was this constant, literal migration into Rome since the very first days of uh, <laughs> The empire to the very well until of course rome was no longer the capital first it was 
Milan or Mediolanum, and then finally it moved to Ravenna, and then things got wacky. Like, uh, there's a bunch of podcasts I can recommend on that: The Fall of Rome, <laughs> The History of Rome. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of wonderful podcasts that I listen to. <clears throat> Again, I steal everything. I have I have absolutely no original ideas. It's all, it's all it is, man. It's all it's, anything. It's all is. There is no, yeah. OP does not post original content, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, uh, the uh, Northern Africa was essentially a factory for food. Uh, a, a, a variety of climate changes since occurred, but Carthage, Northern Africa around Tunis, all that stuff, it was all farmlands. Um, so that was the breadbasket. Spain, they had clay and steel. In France, they had timber. Germania, nobody fucking wanted to touch because there was no fucking uh, resources there. But uh, and this is where we kind of finally start to come to proto-Russia a little bit. The Russia doesn't exist. The Russian people do not exist. But this is key to essentially the entire development of the, uh, I'd say, the European world is the Middle East, the modern day Holy Land. That, even in Roman times, is a portal somewhere else from an economic capitalistic sense that is the silk road that is the gateway to a variety of things and again when money fails you have spices you have silk you have these uh, trade goods that are simply not available in europe anywhere and yet they have this solid commodity value that's a huge part we will revisit this again i'm I'm summarizing i'm summarizing dozens of works here that i can't i'm summarizing dozens of works dozens of authors but this kind of portal is extremely important and russia will become a part of this portal because during the middle ages it will be one of the only routes by which you can reach this place until the crusades and that's when things change go ahead there's there's and, and maybe this bleeds into russia i have a feeling that somehow it will but Another thing that leads to the stability and kind of otherness of uh, a lot of what I, I guess we would call the Middle East, even if we're like uh, uh, our the, the center is somewhere else, yeah, right? Yeah, the Near East, but, we uh, would call it in Russia, right? So, so part of the the otherness and the stability of that region has to do, at least when it comes to comparing it again to like Western Europe, which is something I'm more familiar with, has to do with its accumulation of different kind of administrative cultures and states, right? So we have all of these different uh, kind of modes of organizing and dealing with money and funding of armies and funding of cities that are coming from people like the Mongols, the Huns, uh, the, the, the Turkish empires. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, just oh, we will get to that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so they're Until... just so much better at organizing and funding things. And so they're able to deal with great swaths <laughs> of territory, um, which I'm sure is also informed by Rome. But yeah, so important while that's there. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. While everything else is collapsing in Western Europe, um, and just like everyone is just shitting their pants over like debt peonage for forever, uh, the Middle East is significantly more stable, per my understanding, because of the fact that they have these systems of economics. Yes. Okay. And yes, yes, and partially, and again, this. Uh, okay, I'm, partially I'm, is I'm, the best answer. I'm yeah. probably, I'm probably going to use this phrase a whole lot because it just should be getting used a whole more lot, just in general, in normal parlance, is it's nuanced. Because it's such a cheap answer, I know, because it's, it's how well, you look smart at parties. It's, it's really just more complicated than that. It's, it's not, it's it not a cheap answer, in my view. And, and I it's, think it's we appreciate it, nuance here. Almost, it's almost universally more complicated than people think about it. And it's far more complicated right. than I'm talking about it. This is, <laughs> this is the fucking 10 million thousand feet view. And we're still going to um, do a three-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this will be just the very beginning. If 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 anything, uh, your viewer 
if you if there's anything your listener can can gather from this is that there's so much more that they can go and do their own research on but not in the fucking QAnon way in the <laughs> you have to go sit down and i have to use something that in my state we use um essentially an interlibrary loan program and i have to go to my state's library uh, shit and i have to get it to my local library and then i have a physical book sitting next to me and then i have to yeah. open it and then i have to read it and that's kind of how i did that but like amongst all of it obviously i have a, a job that has nothing to do with history uh, to my if, if the listener wants to learn where to get books for uh we can absolutely less can have money. Let us let us know. <laughs> oh, I certainly have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are ways uh, if you have. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Listener, of course. To the listener, I figure everyone else here knows. Yeah, I yeah. was kind of wondering about how much also, I can talk about that. But yes, I've come into the possession of a vast supply of yes. um, electronic books recently. <laughs> <laughs> but there's still some things, some very rare things. Like I'm sitting right next to um, a rare uh, like 5,000 exemplar uh, no. Napoleonic 1812 encyclopedia published in Moscow that you simply cannot buy. And they have it yeah. in my state university's library sitting. And I even saw, I saw like where it was kept. It was like stack, whatever reserve archive, whatever. No one will ever look at this. And this is, looking... a, this, this is a $250 book that isn't right. available. Right. Exactly. And that's, that sucks. But at the same time, I... libraries are great because I was able to find this. Exactly. So, yeah. I'm, I'm still looking for, because I'm too lazy to go to the library, so God bless you, but but I'm still looking for one essay by William of Aragon, uh, and I've been looking for it for fucking months, and I know that I could just, I could just, I could get it, but I just want to yeah, get it the, on uh, my computer, yeah. or I want to buy it, and I can't. It's just not going to happen. Anyway. Interlibrary yeah. loans are a wonderful thing in my state. Amazing. Yeah. They are completely free it just takes time and yes it, it literally takes someone on a truck loading it into and driving it to my library but it's it's free it's amazing it's like amazon right it's, it's incredible like Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, the, for all the, the i don't i'm not going to make gen z jokes here my daughter is a gen z and she will she she will put me to the guillotine and i will deserve it and i you know all the baby leftists hopefully all of when they well, well when they guillotine us all for not being left <laughs> enough i will i will cheer them on so <laughs> me first yeah because, pigs. yeah so, my existence <laughs> first first our children um, came for the sock dems and i let it happen because i was not one of them <laughs> yeah but so anyway. we'll it off rome right so rome rome yeah <laughs> it's you made a fantastic point about uh coinage because for vast swaths of the Dark Ages, and even a vast majority of the Medieval Ages, a coinage in general was not available. So you see the breakdown of coinage and the, uh, the reintroduction of barter. It's Again, it's a very simple throwaway term in terms of, oh, well, with a, a tra trade in kind, things kind of slow down. But it's again, it's so much more nuanced than that. It decreases the range of transport. It decreases the need to communicate these incredible, like simply wondrous trade routes that the Romans set up. Again, all worked in slave labor at, because this is the engine of conquering other people so you can take their shit, so you can make them slaves, so they can go to fucking uh, the province of Africa or Libya and make food. So you can have a vase or an amphora that's made in Spain go to Carthage where it gets filled with olive oil and then it goes to Rome and it ferments. And then uh, there's in Rome, there's a whole fucking mountain made out of broken amphorae. It's a it's a public like exhibit. It's an entire main main mountain of, of amphorae. But the, uh, the, the, the coinage also allows for a certain kind of um, 
uh, not just for uh, these systems to have reach, but also stability in them, right? Where yeah. there's, it's going to significantly decrease the amount of piracy that ends up taking place, ironically, because sure. as something is in route, there is this stabilized central currency instead of just someone who's walking around with all of this olive oil or something and saying, well, this is mine now, or even your own army. Well, doing what it, ends right? up happening is um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a wonderful point because that leads directly to feudalism is instead of coinage, you have to have oh, the only kind of payment is in food and you need a dude right. or a dudette mostly a dude that can protect Sometimes you in case in, in case motherfuckers come over and take your food and what do you pay him in in food so now he no longer has to farm so he can just be a soldier all the time and he can ride his horse around and stick bad guys with his fucking little spear um, but in turn labor, in turn you have to feed him and he yeah. doesn't feed himself and it's not it's not a long time until the dude with the spear realizes like hey i could probably get more food from these guys because they don't have spears so it, it, again feudalism is a beautiful thing and feudalism was one of those revolutions that was not immediate and it was through absolute they're, they're called but the, they aren't called the dark ages for nothing and it was absolutely bloody horrible uh, terrible fucking revolution in that it took a long time and it took so much death and anybody that argues against accelerationism and shit like oh don't worry that changes will happen the feudalism took natural change and it was 300 400 500 600 years of just blood so talk, talk, talk to anybody who's like, oh, no, things will happen peacefully, just gradual. No, direct them to feudalism. Hillary <laughs> um, Clinton, feudal overlord. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so it's the breakdown of these trade writs. Um, the empire falls apart. You get these smaller communities, these insular communities. In Rome, people can absolutely travel. Um, peasants would travel. It, it was, again, this emigration to Rome, perfectly possible. You can take a ship. You are in uh, Palestine. You can go to Rome, you could go to Gallia, France, you could go to Germania, whatever. You could do that, even as a middle class, lower class person. In the early Middle Ages, Dark Ages, that does not happen. You don't leave your village. Uh, you become more insular. Traditionalism kind of sets in. Again, during the classical period, you had, as Alexander Dugan would go on to argue, um, you have examples of non-traditionalist thought. You have people with some modernist thought. Uh, using reason and science. You have people with postmodernist thought, like uh, he brings the example of Epicurus in that uh, you just break everything down. Uh, some things don't matter at all. I'm just going to live for my pleasure or whatever. It, again, I'm not super familiar with, but he brings up the just example of Epicurus. Yeah, just <laughs> hang out, whatever, man. Good food is is tight. I mean, Epicurean <laughs> is is the word I know. Right. Uh, but I mean, that, yeah. that's a pretty... It's pretty good. Uh, somewhere so else yeah. this occurs, the empire breaks down, but the inherent value of silk and spices and uh, the Silk Road stuff that remains. That trade continues to go on. It's just taken over by other agents, that sort of stuff. Uh, but again, it holds its value. And one thing that I've, I've learned just, just reading and uh, listening to stuff is that at the highest echelons, people were essentially never religious. Even during the depths of the Crusades, the nobles were like, yeah, we're literally here just to loot, uh, make our little fiefdoms bigger, and uh, just fucking rake it in. Whatever. There, there are uh, accounts of this. There are, uh, you know, even when they tried to hide it, bishops yeah. and archbishops and, and counts and margraves and whatever, and everybody that goes um, 
everybody knows it's all super tongue in cheek and you can read it, you know, the, the, the reading it in Latin, it's like, uh, yeah, okay. So this guy wanted this fief and then they kind of had to fight over it. And then it was, uh, yeah, which is this why is, again, go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. I don't have a thought anymore. Oh. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, There's, there is oh. no thought. Continue. No, this, this is actually um, something that we're going to be talking with on, talking on bringing hound bring down the grind house with with on jesus my words are broken your thoughts are gone my words are broken um, oh no i'm going on to bring down the grind together house we have to find uh, <laughs> together we have <laughs> look here you dog face ponies holder um but yeah so i'm, I'm going on to that podcast and that's going to be one of the big focuses is talking about how the um the religiosity and the belief in certain types of things like witchcraft or religiosity in the larger sense sure. have largely been kind of tongue-in-cheek uh and and also understanding that even if people don't believe something they will still act upon it uh and they will still convince people beneath them uh that it is in fact the case uh the literate classes very rarely yes. seem to believe the things that they are saying and reading yes. which is uh, pretty fun <laughs> and again that being said, is this whole we like to think do in no small part to Game of Thrones and Monty Python and Hamlet and every single piece of historical fiction, nonfiction piece of media that we've seen. Uh, peasants are stupid. No, people at lower levels are stupid. They're 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 dirt farmers, whatever. Yeah. Even the illiterate, even the time people have always been intelligent. Yeah. People, uh, people have been vastly ignorant of really, really common things that we find to be, uh, you know, completely obvious. Now, people were very ignorant of, of a variety of things, but stupid peasant, you don't yeah. have an electron microscope to check out what a fucking <laughs> atom is. You're yeah. dumb as fuck. Yeah. A nice example yeah. is in the 1890s, uh, these recently freed serfs in Russia. This is jumping way ahead, uh, but these recently freed serfs, they're barely learning how to read at this point and they're writing petitions to the government and awesome. it's not anything crazy you know what their petitions say again there's this historical records so you can look this up if you, you know russian i guess but yeah um it's literally things like hey it's too late for us we understand open up schools teach our children how to read we understand that it's too that late rules. for us teach our children how to read hey the priest he steals from us he takes all our fucking money. Can you please kick him out against everybody? Like there's people who are like Russia is an inherently orthodox country. Russia super religious. And that's it's a very Russian nationalist kind of thing to say that Putin right. and all that love tatting that shit. Russia is a religious country. No, the priests have always robbed people, always forever. So that whereas the people may have been inherently spiritual and religious, maybe in their own households. And of course, everybody identified as orthodox because it's, it's unthinkable not to, you know, mm -hmm. but the whole thing, it's like, please, we know it's too late for us. Teach our children how to read because they'll need it. This is important. Uh, you know, get the fucking get the get the get this fucking priest out of here. Uh, you know, this uh, fuck. So like, it's it's sensible thing. You know, it's it's things that you would accept people nowadays to be like, hey, you know, like it's important. You know, it's not like give us you know give us some more bread or some shit. Like it's right. it's they're forward thinking, and of course you have to consider again. This is me circling back to fifteen. Is it Russia is the world's biggest country? 
right? World's biggest polity state, whatever the fuck. Um, I will always trip on this because I don't fully agree on definitions of this thing. World's biggest puncher. You know how much arable land uh, in Russia there is, really? Something like less than less than 30% of it is actually arable land. Right. Uh, and all of it is, or at that point, was already taken up by landowners and stuff. So it, the, uh, the agrarian question is the cause, the direct cause of the Russian Revolution. There's so many other causes, but it is an unresolved agrarian question coupled with recurrent droughts, coupled with agricultural practices that were essentially the same since the 13th century, full stop. And of course, after that comes collectivization and droughts actually did not stop until after collectivization was put into effect. But that brought into it a whole bunch of other shit. But it wasn't until World War II that droughts in Russia completely stopped. And that was in part because of collectivization, in part because of mechanization of agriculture, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of, it's so easy for us sitting as Americans in America in 20, uh, 2021, wherein uh, agricultural products are still the number one export in America to this day despite the fact that all the shit we do, our biggest export is still agricultural produce. But food was so important. If The reason no innovation happened was because if you try something new and it doesn't work out for you, you die. Your shit doesn't grow. Yeah. <laughs> your mother dies. Your father dies. Your grandfather dies that's still living with you. And he doesn't do anything because he was a peasant or whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, you have these large family units. How a home would contain two, three generations living together, sometimes including in-laws and whatever. So the traditional dvor is the Russian term, uh, which literally uh, uh, means. Oh, God, I forgot. Dvor is like. Uh, uh, God damn it. Um uh, Essentially, like an enclosure. A dvor is what happens between two houses. But it's essentially in order for tax purposes, because again, stupid peasants, they were taxed per dvor. So what they would do is they would build several houses and enclose them with one pasture. So they would only have That's to pay uh, taxes for one. Again, these stupid peasants didn't know what the fuck they were doing. But um, fucking around tax liabilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, and again, taxes yeah, have been all the way since forever. <laughs> to and to it, chime it, in a little bit here. Um, I, I think it's like one of the, the oldest myths of like historical thinking is that people of any given time were like stupid or like, you know, the, the thing that's always said about the dark ages was like, oh, everybody was really dumb and backwards thinking back then. And it's like, no, they were they were living in like perfect, logical, rational ways, given the time period they were in yeah. and, and the moreover, they were what, yeah what they had accessible to them or, you know, whatever the political climate was at the time, like, yeah. you know, um, they, they wouldn't have survived if they were so dumb that they like couldn't, oh, yeah. <laughs> couldn't exactly. logically think, ways, you know, in a lot of the ways they were, they were in a lot of ways, they were far more competent than us just Absolutely. because of the requirements yeah. of life at the time. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, the, the, the I'm same sure that, uh, that many like you know they're always like oh the arabs discovered algebra or whatever but like yeah. all the solar calendars and like civilizations that had to have known that the world was round uh back in their ancient mayan ptolemaic egypt yeah yeah right. that, these yeah. people are doing like advanced math you know it wasn't yeah. just an empire and the yeah, middle east doesn't have like a formalized yeah. system yeah. of it yet yeah flat earth didn't come around until what is it 1995 or whatever right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the, the same ancient, thing also gets go ahead the same thing also gets applied to uh uh to different socioeconomic classes right and and we, we we've talked about this before on the podcast where you know rich people live in the future and poor people live in the past right uh, and all, all you need to, to 
Uh, before, I would say that all you need in order to prove that is the fact that rich people are always working with futures. Um, <laughs> 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 I mean, genuinely true, though. Stonks. Right? <laughs> uh, but but that uh, you, you do have this situation where because people are poor, we think that they're backwards uh, temporally and, and otherwise, where they live as if they're medieval and they are stupid, right? They that they so yeah yeah there's always this application of well if you're not that well off then it must mean it's because you're in uh, this dumb asshole right yeah. so and at the same yeah. time you know the pottery that we find from ten thousand uh you know bce and whatever china is the first place pottery is find found of course because china's ahead of us in every way always it's right. the perfect little uh, <laughs> they have the perfect microcosmic climate uh as i have always supported a massive population that's one glaring hole in my knowledge is um china i need to brush up on my chinese history yeah it's just again such an incredible uh, not to say of course preface it with that i like the chinese government (laughs) they are trash but again um yeah one thing that you'll find is like i disagree with every type of government that you can bring up like yep they were trash they were trash everybody's trash (laughs) yeah you're in good company terrifically pro pro government podcast yeah Yeah. um yeah (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, again, at the lowest level of society, you, there's valuable historical records. If someone couldn't read, they left some other kind of trail, but everywhere, uh, and I hate to get it idealistic here because I'm a huge fucking cynic, but again, throughout the entire history of man and, and you know, just recorded history, non-recorded history, there's always these moments of communalism and caring for each other. Again, you have peasant communes. You have peasant communes in the Urals and in Siberia until the 20s and 30s, essentially living independently every once in a while. A tax collector will come by and you'll give him a shit. But these are completely self-ruling polities and they were fine. So, again, uh, it's um, – and to a certain extent, you have these peasant republics in the Dark Ages that, again, were, were fine until some dude with a long spear and this shit called chain mail, which was like God mode, uh, yeah. Would, yeah, just would, went on a fucking big old horse would come and fuck your shit up. And uh, yeah, the feudalist revolution, especially knowing what I know now, is has been one of the most brutal fucking things to happen to the human race. That being said, despite all this shit happening in the Dark Ages or the late Roman Empire, people still think Rome exists. Not the city, but the Roman Empire. The, the Roman Empire fully exists in this people's mind f- for a long, long time, through the Middle Ages. Oh, yeah. Because you have Western Rome, Eastern Rome, uh, the Holy Roman Empire. These things aren't a, a, a term. It's, the, it's mm-hmm. the Roman Empire. Who's the emperor in Rome? Oh, it's this guy. You know, It could be the Byzantine emperor. It could be the German fucking Habsburg. That's the Roman emperor. It, it, they didn't acknowledge that the Roman Empire had fallen until like the 18th yeah. century, historically. They're like, oh, I guess Rome fell, huh? But yeah, people were like, yeah, we're, we're yeah, we're living in the Roman Empire. Sure, there's been some changes, but uh, is there an emperor? <laughs> yeah. Does he make coin? Sure. Um, yeah. You know, right. is, is it is it a super advanced civilization? In the case of Byzantium, Byzantium was like fucking aliens compared to Western Europeans in like the yeah. 10th, 11th, 12th century. It was like it was like that's one of the reasons why the Crusaders fucking sacked Constantinople, because it was a city unlike anything they'd ever seen in their life, even Rome. It was yeah. it was so incredibly. I mean, and again, everything. Just, comes just look at like, get. Yeah. Just look at like a medieval castle and then look at Hagia Sophia. Right. Yeah. Like it's uh, that on its own fuck it tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. 
a huge medieval city would be a huge, gigantic medieval city, Paris, the biggest medieval city in Western Europe. 10,000 people. Only got its cool building. like 10,000 people. (laughs) Constantinople is something like 250,000. Right. That's that's what we're talking about. It's it's it was incredible when when the Crusaders in uh, the Fourth Crusade, which was the funnest crusade because they didn't go to the Holy Land. Even they went and they sacked Constantinople and it was by a variety of really fun shit that was completely capitalistic and shitty. Um, They're like, oh, how did we get here? Oh, we might as well. Right. Like it was like that. Like like horseshoe Um, rules of. uh... Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, my God. And the Pope was in on it. And it was. Oh, it's so shitty. But just. Just yeah. imagine how fucking big your your city's dick must be for you to maintain <laughs> these huge populations while like Belisarius and his eunuch are killing people in the Hippodrome. Like yeah. you slaughter like, you know, thousands of people in the Coliseum one day because there was like a, a, a sports riot and you still have people living there and the fucking hundreds of thousands. Absolutely. Like, well, they, again, they, it's like, no, there is no better place than this. Best city in the world. I swear to God. Well, again, because Constantinople is at the again, and New York is very similar in that it's the flow of shit, mass graves, and the flow of yeah, it's the flow of goods, people, slaves, uh, commodities, etc. The prestige, everything flows in, it flows into the imperial Mm -hmm. city. This is the case with Rome. This is the case with Byzantium. This is also going to to be. This is going to be the case in St. Petersburg. Hmm. Uh, so it, 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 this is, again, because R- Russian nationalists, we're the third Rome. Yep. Right. 100%. Right. Yeah, I've heard 100%. that quite a lot, and I'm so curious about again, it. Again, why does this start? This starts when Constantinople gets sacked by the Crusaders. It is an, it, 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 in the Russian Orthodox. This is right when the uh, right after, relatively soon after, less than 100 years, after Catholicism and Orthodoxy split. Now, they've been having problems for a while. They've been having problems since uh, the Council of Nicaea in the 400s. They're, they're they still split. having and problems first, to this day, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, but <laughs> they're, they're considered in communion, uh, which is a fancy fucking Catholic way of saying that. I guess they're just kind of gently astray. And this is kind of how it was in during the during the 13th century, the early 13th century. Is they're still Christians, right? So let's go help them out. The, the, the reason uh, the Crusades got started in 1099, the, the early or late 11th century, is um, the Byzantine emperor asked the Pope for help. So at the time, again, we're different Christians, but hey, we're Christians. Let's let's help each other out, right? But after during and after the sack of Constantinople, they had to manufacture the reason, right? And part of it, again, there's again, there's so much more nuance. But hey, these Orthodox. They're actually bad. The reason we had to go and kill 50,000 of them or whatever is because they're actually do it. They're, they're actually making a travesty of our Lord. So they're not just Christians anymore, but they're actually worse than the Saracen sons of bitches that we've been killing in the Holy Land for the last hundred years. They're actually worse because at least the, the heathens, they, the, you know, they're not perverting our faith. But these Orthodox bastards, they're taking our Lord and they're turning some other, they're worshiping demons at this point, you know. So that's a big thing. And of course, it's counterbalanced by the Orthodox saying the same shit about the Catholics, et cetera, et cetera. And at this point, uh, the, the fall of Constantinople is actually a huge, huge shock to this nascent. Um, uh, Kiev, Muscovite, Vladimir um, principalities that are already Orthodox, 
Do you, do you recall what year the fall of Constantinople was? 1200 sometime. 1200. Uh, some, either 1200. I mean, that's approximate enough. Because yeah, yeah. I, this I, is the I, first I, legit sack of Constantinople. Of course, there's the final sack, right. of, sack of Constantinople by the Ottomans, etc. But at that point, the Byzantine Empire is literally Constantinople and a couple yeah. islands in like Ionian Greece. Uh, but so, just, but just this some, is something else that might kind of blow people's minds is just yeah. the fact that it would when it, just drawing it back to this idea of like how long Rome and like Rome variants are around. You know, the sack of Constantinople, some somewhere in the 1200s. Um, we we have that occur, and then it's still like three hundred years at the very least before like the sack of Rome uh, by the oh, Holy Roman guys, Empire. Do you guys know when the Roman right. Empire right. ended? Um, eighteen oh five. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> it was, it was the, much later than be, people uh, think. Because it is. the Holy Roman Empire. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Right. after Austerlitz or was it Austerlitz or was it a Marengo? It's either 1800 or 1805, but uh, well, well. Napoleon essentially defeats the Austrian emperor. And he's like, you know, these German States, let's reorganize them. Let's call them the Confederation of the Rhine or the Rhinebund in German. Um, right. And then at and that point, these German States the are no longer between like now and before the beginning of capitalism. Oh yeah. Like it's it's way way yeah so yeah the Holy Roman Empire which is in you know you can say that it's a successor because of Charlemagne and again again getting into Charlemagne is the Pope said it's okay and they dug up a document (laughs) that didn't exist and anybody that fucking sits down nowadays and knows Latin and knows conventions of Latin writing and looks at that fucking document says and like this is clearly a fucking forgery they clearly pulled this out of their ass some monk fucking sat there and wrote the script that supposedly Constantine wrote or whatever so obviously Charlemagne became Holy Roman Roman would ever name someone Charlemagne yeah (laughs) well it was Carolus Magnus but uh it was the fact that Constantine at one point gave rule of his empire to the Archbishop of Rome who was not even the Pope at the time that was what it said and that was the um that was the trans uh kind of the spiritual success and therefore now the pope can vest this frankish chieftain with a kingdom and that, be able to call it the roman empire and, and that's well, what that, that and the, of course franks they were germans the franks are a germanic tribe right so uh yeah so go ahead man I, I'll, I'll just keep talking otherwise yeah no that's uh that's pretty funny because uh like uh, i learned a lot of rome through art history <laughs> So, like, you experience, like, I guess, uh, propaganda with, uh, I guess, some uh, uh, background. Because, like, you have to. Anybody like, that learns uh, Latin, too, is like, oh. Yeah, like, oh, like, <laughs> like, uh, like, didn't Charlemagne and the Archbishop have, like, political problems with each other? Oh, yeah. Well, they all yeah, did. No, like, because these archbishops were all nobles. They were second yeah. sons, third sons of counts, dukes, etc., which, of course, are all Roman terms. A duke's D-U-X. That's a Roman military title, yeah. And which of course evolved to a duke. Da, 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 da. All of this stuff again, which uh, brings me further back to my point. People thought the Roman Empire was still a thing. <laughs> uh, that's why uh, you have very few emperors during the medieval ages. The only emperor is the Holy Roman Empire. Nobody could dare call themselves an emperor during this time. Everybody was a king, Max. Um, and of course, all kings would still, they wouldn't pay homage because, again, that's a very formal thing. You would pay homage to your liege lord, but they were acknowledged the emperor as, hey, you're the only guy on this planet besides God that's kind of over me in some way, it, in this in the spiritual I, way. 
good. You know, I just I, I I just realized in such a funny way is that both both of the like great superpowers. I mean, minus China, I guess, but like '80s superpowers. Uh, fucking America and Rome both have some kind of stated or unstated continuance of the Roman Empire, like as their oh, yeah. inspiration. And just, so yeah, that- you could say that the Roman Empire still hasn't ended and it's just split into two extremely arbitrary, sure. massive superpowers because, that want to fuck one another. Yep, yeah, there's wackadoodles in England that believe that England and the UK is a spiritual, cons- uh, or not, no, not a uh, not spiritual, a very literal uh, continuous of the Roman Empire. And there's also a sect somewhere. I want to believe, that. I want to believe that because that it would believe... be so pitiful. <laughs> no, 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 there's something more pitiful. There are people in Britain that as part of nationalism or something, there is a legitimate group of people in Britain that believe that they are the true Israelites as well. That so there's, there's that. They're just Mormons. Too. They're just British Mormons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So um, <laughs> I get founded on as ridiculous a fucking religion religious premise as the mormons are is the anglican church which of course in america oh. is is uh called episcopalian because you don't right. want to be called church of england after your country decides to declare independence that would look weird so you rename yourself and now you're the episcopalians but I in reality that's, 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 that's anglicans yeah. Church. yeah that's church of england yep yeah, my, my, my grandma was episcopalian uh my church of england my grandpa was a was an atheist and i guess my grandma was too she didn't go it, to church do you know they have a little shield do you remember what they're what's on their uh on the little shield flag it's a it's a red cross on a white white thing isn't it yeah. that's the flag of england that, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah look up the episcopalian flag real quick it's a shield with a cross of saint george and i think in the top corner they have some sort of blue shit but yeah the episcopalian church is 100 on too much yeah. of a, a so it's church of england but another interesting another interesting statistics which goes back to well, that's statistic, but it's just kind of a nifty thing, is um, the vast majority of like old rich people in the States are Episcopalian because you got the whole Daughters of the Revolution, uh, Cincinnati Society, essentially, whatever. All these people are, you know, daughter, you, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the old fucking Mayflower people, right. they're Episcopalians. So right. I think you're you're in, in America, if you're Episcopalian, you are uh, statistically likely to be far more wealthy than people of other denominations that checks out yeah <laughs> yeah anyway I-, I told you i was going to have lots of digressions because i have these nifty little uh, fuckeries to ins- ins- oh, i love it <laughs> where are we talking <laughs> about russia i, I keep making last this time we worse for you yeah <laughs> let's, let's try to go back to russia I guess. Fun facts, this is, this is going to take a while unless you're like hey the listener said the listener wrote in and they are just not having it so oh, the, the, the listeners you. don't write in don't worry about <laughs> but it they all of us anyway. please don't write, please don't write in, please don't write in. Um, yeah. only write to teddy uh his email address is <laughs> his phone <laughs> number yeah Sorry. Um, yeah rome russia yeah maybe yeah it's it's so fucking weird. and people are 100 convinced that yeah we're the third one completely unquestioned uh it, it became a thing i think even before peter's time but during Peter's time, it was like, yeah, we're uh, we're the third Rome, motherfucker. But yeah, so we've completely skipped the at? fact that um, uh, uh, mid 1200s, I think, Fourth Crusade. Nice. Type in Fourth Crusade, Crusade John, please. I'm already giving you orders. It's, it's, it's John, the 1200s. We were looking at it on the uh, stream. Fall, first sack of Constantinople by the Fourth Crusade. The year Beautiful. 12. It was 1203. Oh, nice and early. Yeah, there you go. Good year. Good wine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, we've we've sk- we've completely skipped um, heretics and different denominations of Europeans, which has an if effect you want to hear- on the. Go ahead. No, I'll let you finish. Uh, the I was gonna uh, get into the, like the Lollards and the Bogomils and the Waldensians and the fucking all the heretics that weren't called her. Well, they were called heretics, but back in the day, heresy just means fuck i forgot what's called. i think it just means different opinion or something it was really yeah. mild that the, the greek word heretic actually means like hey i just have another opinion man and that's totally <laughs> chill essentially my, until my they became like heretics terms. it's time to kill them right my understanding yeah. of these terms is that is that pagan functionally means one who does not believe heretic means that there's a disagreement and ethan means that you're a fucking creepy woodsman um well it's a christianity uh heathens are like muslims so they're people that are not but even remotely close whereas right, muslims just, it, we are people well, well, who book. yeah i mean but, a, a, uh, a, a, a heathen is someone who lives in the wilderness no 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 a heathen someone is someone who heath, right uh i guess maybe but i guess so it just they're, just they're a still, total outsider yeah whereas a pagan i always thought the pagan was someone that was polytheistic I guess maybe I don't know. In right. any case, I thought I thought yeah, it was just yeah, somebody yeah. who didn't believe in who believed in a god that wasn't Christ or that's yeah, heathen. That's my, yeah, that's heathen. Hmm. I, I think there might be, be overlap to the, to the Muslims. That's infidel. The, the an infidel is someone who does not believe in the god. So, whereas again, anyway. it's all really just super pagan. Again, uh, uh, the people that I like to listen to and read, they like to they like to put forth this. Um, hypothesis that christianity and by extension uh zoroastrianism and buddhism mm. and um christianity and judaism are all super paganisms especially Christ- christianity has been wonderfully successful in amalgamating these truly pagan disciplines and beliefs and practices and they amalgamated it uh, to essentially Jungian archetypes they were able right. to bring all this shit together in a beautiful palatable way um, and so, present it as uh, a super paganism. Like uh, most of Psalms are essentially magic. They're yeah. like magical fucking command words. Like uh, my, the Lord be my shield and protecteth me from la 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 la. That's essentially they're, yeah. they're chanting magic. It is it is mm-hmm. a pagan magic that they're chanting. For it to be my sword and my shield and, and striketh my enemies before that's essentially it's it's no different from any kind of paganistic ritual. It's right, and it's right. hard coded into the Old Testament and it's hard coded in a lot of places in the New Testament too. We can talk yeah. about that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's we we don't we don't want to get into like a thing about like poetics and grammar and stuff or we will stick on that all night and yeah. never end. Uh, but, <laughs> but um I I just did uh I I delved into my uh the deep end of the spectrum uh and autism. Uh, i I'm a yes, big fan of autism. yes i did i didn't want to say it because because i've i've had some autistic listener uh has informed me that sometimes our feelings are hurt by it i'm pretty sure um, i'm on the spectrum so i think we all go are ahead. but yeah. but anyway yeah uh but so etymologically speaking though we cannot always rely on etymology in order to give us the you know meanings of words please please um, i can only get so wet Heathen <laughs> meaning from like the total outside or the wilds. Pagan. That's like an that's from, like an that's like an Anglo-Saxon word then, right? Heath is like yeah. a, that's like uh, a Saxon well, word. Pr- pretty much all of these, except for the Greek uh, heretic. Heretic. Um, so yeah. Um, so 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 uh, heathen meaning from the wilds outside. Pagan meaning from the villages. So like druids. So, so like this druids. Is a, yeah. 
So, so pagan meaning from the villages, which is funny because it produces a gradient here, right, of, of mm -hmm. different forms of outsider, which is sure. something fascinating. In my workshop, which I will, uh, again, you know, plug <laughs> at the I'm end. I'm a fan of your workshop. Right, which, right, right. I love your workshop. Uh, we, we have been talking about, uh, kind of on and off, we've been talking about the village versus the city. And so I think that this is something I'll have to drag in at some point. That is such a wonderful... Isn't that great? That, that will that will oh. read into so much in the coming of the Russian Revolution. There you that go. Is and such an important aspect of that. And the last one, and he, huge in America too, right? Yeah. Um, and and the the last one, heretic, comes from the Greek in uh, which means able to choose. Yeah. So one That's right. yeah, it's, it's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so a choice, man. Beautiful yeah. kind of. So the, the the heretic is the one that's closest to you, which also makes sense with something like the the, the Spanish Inquisition, right? Where it's yeah. people. It's only people who have chosen to be Catholic that are heretics, right? Because you then doubt that they have chosen to be Catholic at all. You know, it's well, like oh, I mean, you used to be a Jew. You well, used Russians to be a Jew. Had, are you still a Jew? Russians <laughs> had heretics right. too. I mean, it's a, it's this right, Greek term right. that we so yeah. If for. So. Again, Catholicism means universal, Orthodox means uh, original beliefs. Both right. churches are supremely adamant that they were first. <laughs> and in a way, they're both right because they are both offshoots of original Christianity. That's why I don't deal with Protestantism as a joke to me in that they had some. That's fair. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying this as an atheist. It just it, it, they had good points in the 1500s, Martin Luther had wonderful points because yeah. Catholicism was super, super corrupt. Still is yeah. super, super Democratizing, corrupt. Before then, um, was super, super corrupt. But uh, right. the whole- Democratizing uh, it, great. But when you change the theology and make it so that uh, yeah, now yeah. you have like a bifurcated destiny it has kind no, of thing. Yeah, and then the whole- Sola gratia doesn't work. Sola scriptura is ridiculous uh, right. because what yes, translation yes, are you talking yes. about? What translation? Sola scriptura, what language? Sola gratia, and sola uh, sola fide are all none of them make any. Oh sense. my god! None You're, of them make any sense at all. My Latin pronunciation mental cells are just dying right. and bursting as but, you say but, that. But I but I'm agreeing with you as I pronounce sure, yeah. all of them because <laughs> I grew up with yeah, Methodists so, and Lutherans. Yeah. So. All, again, they had wonderful points and they developed science yeah. and all that stuff. But theologic, and again, I say this is a probably anti-theist. I'm worse than an right. atheist. Mm -hmm. I want to abolish religion. That's very spicy. But, <laughs> but um it's also again it's so interesting to study i love studying religion yeah um it's such a wonderful feel but yeah again protestantism does not have a theological leg to stand on in my opinion but yeah. uh, whatever moving on <laughs> um and again uh a big thing about the split between orthodoxy and catholicism originally was uh at Phileus, which was mm -hmm. literally a phrase added into the Nicene Creed, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you know, visible and invisible, la, 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 la. And then there's a portion, which is, and the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, right? The, the most, uh, the most uh, occult one, uh, the mm -hmm. Lord, the giver of light that proceeds from the Father in Orthodoxy, that proceeds from the Father and the Son in Catholicism. That is one of the few theological differences in Catholicism and in Orthodoxy. And it came around relatively lately. This was in direction to Spain. Yeah, it's wonderful that you brought up the Spanish Inquisition because the Spanish Inquisition was a political answer to the Italian Inquisition. Um, right. It was a political boom, boom with the Pope. But in Spain was the Visigothic Kingdom. Uh, the Visigoths that had allied with Rome, sacked Rome, la da 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 da. You know, Alaric took his people away. Um, this was, you know, 
Catalonian fields and and uh, the Huns and all that stuff. Wonder, it's a, you know, play a total war. You'll get it. Right. <laughs> no, 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 it's a great introduction though. They're all about like the, the savior. It's really nicely voiced. I can talk video games too, but um, the Goths, meaning the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths, were Aryan Christians, not. Aryans, A R Y A N, the fucking the the weird Nazi shit, but um, A R I I N, uh, sorry, A R I A N, Aryans follows of Arius, which um, said that I think they. Oh gosh, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot. But the Aryans essentially, I think they rejected the divinity of Jesus. They essentially mm-hmm. said he was just a really good dude. He's super a good dude, but was he the son of God? Uh, maybe not, you know, because like, he's a really good dude, but it, it essentially invalidates it invalidates half of Christian theology, right? But at the same time, they, right. they gathered. This could be super wrong. I, there's so many different uh, denominations of uh, heresy or whatever, and I've been reading up on a bunch of them, so that could be super wrong. Essentially, there's, there, there is a ontological or maybe epistemological difference uh, theologically between mainline Christianity and Arianism. So at one point they sit down and they fucking essentially democratically vote on it during Constantine's times. And they're like, you know what, Arius, your shit's, your shit's whack. And they essentially beat him or not him or his followers. So they essentially did like a bunch of archbishops were like, fuck your shit. We don't like your shit. But the Goths were Arians. And in a way, the et filius clause was an addition to the Catholic creed in order to win over the Spanish Goths that were Arians to Catholicism peacefully. Like, Hey, we threw you a bone. It comes from, it comes from the sun too. You know? So, but um, it didn't work by the way, it had to be applied different, but they kept that. And I've had conversations with, uh, you know, again, believing Christians that like, like, Hey, what do you think of et filius? And they're like, what? And I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, and they everyone right. have no idea. And blah, blah, blah. so it's again, I'm not going to be all fucking edgy, fifteen uh, year old about it. Like, ho ho, I know God isn't real, but like, <laughs> I love reading about religion. It's really interesting. Right. There's so much juice hidden in there, and not just you know that half the popes were horrible people, but like because there are people, people are people, and I, you, you know, yeah. uh, some people are terrible, some people are good, but um, it's uh, for me. Like- the, 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 the the nitty gritties of of the religions is really interesting to me. What are the Go people ahead. like in Russia? Oh gosh, really? Sorry, that's no, that's, that's your question. Not, that's your question. <laughs> but yeah, where, yeah, are, where, what year are we on now? What year are we on now? I'm so, I'm just trying to drag it back. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so <laughs> so Kiev uh, so Kiev, which is currently located in Ukraine, this is kind of a problem for Russian nationalists because Kiev and Rus. Rus, the people are the Rus. So, uh, again, this uh, amalgamation of Vikings that have been invited over to rule because us Russians are so fucking stupid, we can't rule ourselves. <laughs> so we invite this Viking chieftain uh, to come rule over us. Again, there's some, a lot of this stuff is based off of a couple of primary sources. But from these primary sources, you see that most of this guy's uh, bodyguard, essentially, they have names like Sven and Carl and shit like that. These were, these were Norsemen. Hmm. And essentially, you get the Varangian Guard and Byzantium and that sort of stuff. But these guys <laughs> essentially settle down. And Russian culture at this point is all about living on rivers. Because you got the Volga, you got the um, the Dnieper, which is the important one. The Dnieper is, is what um, runs through Kiev. 
north mm-hmm. to south. And uh, it is a mainline trading post. Yes, we're bringing it back. It is a mainline trading post <laughs> from the lands of the north, the the non-Christian lands, uh, your modern day Scandinavia, essentially. Christianity hasn't reached there yet or is starting to. Um, so what, what year is it, this? This is still kind of the 1200s or whatever, like just jumping back a little bit beforehand. So the 800s to the 1200s. um, This is the main trading artery for these lands of the north to the Middle East. Hence, Kiev is a rich, prosperous city. It's one of the bigger cities in medieval Europe. And even from this day, from the the very foundation of Russian uh, culture, economics, uh, whatever, polity, it is an intrinsically European state. It cannot exist by itself. It is a trade hub along the Dnieper, the Dnieper. It cannot, it, it already, you see this European economy taking shape. Um, you have twin tragedies in the 1200s, 1300s. Constantinople falls. People in Russia see this as a sign of the apocalypse. Rome has fallen. Gen- like, it's not like, uh, it's not like the fall of, well, I guess it kind of is like the fall of Western Rome, because Western Rome falls, se- Rome itself fell several times. And people thought, holy shit, Constantinople falls. It is the apocalypse. God is coming back. I mean, Rome fell. So huge tumults. And then eventually you have um, the Mongol conquest. Literal riders of the apocalypse come. Some people don't even resist them. It's hell. You know, it's the apocalypse. Why resist? What you know, so you have you know you have this uh, feudal alliance of people, and gets because they're feudal facing against an imperial state. The Mongols of Genghis Khan were an imperial state. Naturally, they get fucking steamrolled because you have feudal lords versus an imperial state gets steamrolled. Russia, or again, it's not a nation, but Russian principalities fall under the yoke of the Mongols for 250 years. Hmm. You know, which includes slavery. It includes again very literal slavery very literal monetary kind of thing so again coinage is falling away constant raids everybody's fucking our shit up so there's movement from rivers to hilltops again this very simple kind of there's there's uh, arable land gets fucked up destroyed rivers are no longer a source of trade these step people are coming in and killing all of us we're moving how and, much of this is influenced by so you said 250 years uh and yeah. again knowing very little about russian history ultimately uh outside of very modern stuff yeah um how much of this is being affected by like the great famine and the bubonic plague going through western europe in it takes like so much longer to get there well the black plague is existent in russia through the 17th century it it, okay. it takes so long to reach it and it reverberate I mean, uh, it reverberates but much more slowly it wasn't nearly as a dramatic thing as in right. france or in england again people are more concentrated people are more together he, even then, but even then, one hundred percent still was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like the the, the Black Death came to uh, Scandinavia in like thirteen forty nine. I only yep. know that because there's a racist black metal band called that. Um, <laughs> Tight. But um, but so yeah, yeah. So all, all all this is occurring, and there has to be some kind of a ripple. And it's interesting that they're kind of insulated from that in some way. Well, no, it comes. The the first wave, of course, comes. But Russia has, uh, in Russia, it's called Chuma. You have Chuma, yeah, Chuma operates essentially uh, until the 18th century. Uh, 
And I, it kind of, you have bubonic plague upgrades in Europe too, but in Russia, very we sensibly have so. have them in the States. If you go, if you go camping oh, yeah. out in California, you have squirrel alerts about sure. bubonic plague all the yep. time. And it's, it's actually it's hilarious. really, it's very really funny. easily, it's really easily treatable too. Yeah. Yeah. It's bacteria, whatever. Yeah. It's your Yersinia pesta. It's, it's, it's the, uh, yeah. the airborne one is you got to watch out for, but uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why pesta yeah. is pretty easy. Or, I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. Why? Yeah, Yersinia buba or whatever bubonicus. Um, yeah, pretty easily treatable. Again, modern medicine has uh, until until it's not, of course, until antibiotics stop working. But that's my other job. Um, <laughs> right. I'm also a research scientist for in uh, in vitro diagnostics. So it's awesome. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> well, you know. But um, and- yeah. You also, I, I mean, like the third cataclysm, and a lot of this is coming from like I'm, I'm spill, I'm, you know, um, really dropping a lot of stuff that I, I'm supposed to be doing in another podcast. But, but also in in the spirit Spoiler. like 1400, right? 1400, you have the Little Ice Age kind of beginning uh-huh. as well, and so yeah. that has to have. Uh, the only reason I bring all this stuff up is because the fact that you're talking about like crop shortages and yes. whatnot that begin uh, any, to any kind How of, much anything, is affected by those three things? Anything that affects Europe affects Russia okay. in a far more cataclysmic fashion. Because again, Europe, you got the Gulf Stream, you have good farm, good arable lands. Again, look at Bavaria, look at middle Germany, look at right. farmlands in southern France. These are amazing, arable, beautiful lands. Uh, Russia is past the Gulf Stream. Uh, we like to talk about right. how in the States, you know, because of the Gulf Stream, things are able to be warmer at higher uh, latitudes. Here in um, middle America, uh, say along the line of you know, the Midwest where I'm at, that's at the latitude of Florence and Rome. <laughs> So we're actually far more south than other European polities or whatever. But those European states are, of course, much more warm because of the Gulf Stream. But uh, past the Pripyat marshes or just farther farther away from the Gulf Stream, farther away from the water, um, this goes away. So, again, right. any kind of farmland in Russia is, is you know, anybody that wants to talk about how Russia is the breadbasket or whatever. And for a time, it kind of was in the 19th century. But Russia, again, all it takes is one crop failure during – Essentially, the time from the 800s until the 1930s, one crop failure, yeah. and it's kind of fucking clismic. And it happens and then, every five or 10 years or so. Right. And that's only going to get worsened because of the fact that, you know, it is oh, so isolated upon rivers, right? And so yeah. if if you have that collapse and you have a collapse elsewhere, all of this stuff is going to get compounded because the trade is going to be so affected on both ends, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and I mean, because there's you no in, inland shit that will keep everything afloat. Oh, 12, 1300s, you have the introduction of crop rotation, which kind of salvages it. But you have this rudimentary That'll crop help, rotation yeah. <laughs> from the 1300s taking place in 1888. Wow. So this is really so no chemical fertilizer. No, no, no. This, they, we cannot afford to fuck shit up. We can't afford to run yeah. experiments. We can't have people will die. Hundreds of thousands of people will die. You can't. Uh, so, again, it's, Stalin catches a lot of shit. Stalin is a monster and was horrible right. and killed millions of people. But, but, <laughs> but, but there's but, a, there's a redemption but, arc here. <laughs> there, no, there's no redemptions for Stalin. Fully, fully not. The Soviet state was through monstrous losses of people. Right. Monstrous losses of people by doing experiments, by adding chemical fertilizer, by through the mechanization of la 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 la. Eventually, it was brought up. But look what it cost. Right. 
We Are can, you bringing up another accelerationist thing here, or? Well, is it worth it? I don't. I'm no, not. I'm uh, not prepared. I mean, I'm not prepared to philosophically will, go there whatsoever. People will pick up on on the subtext. It's fine. It's the thing about it is I don't know. In Russia, right. this specific agricultural fucking uh, agronomy was left to fester for so long that it took that much to fucking bring it. And again, was it worth it? I I, I can't answer that question. Right. Millions of people died in both instances. I have no idea. And that's, again, uh, one thing I will not, I, I will share lots of things here with you guys on the podcast. One thing I will not share with you is solutions because I don't fucking know, guys. I don't <laughs> fucking know. Yeah. I'm not an idealist. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> yeah, I am not a smart yeah. man. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> We're all dumb yeah, here. It's, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm extremely cynical about it. Everyone was wrong. Stalin was wrong. Lenin was wrong. But the czars were also wrong. But Putin's also yeah. wrong. It's everyone's wrong. Everyone's really shitty. And people keep dying. I'm going to agree with no matter like where. the year 4,500. I'll agree with one person. Because it'll be a clone of me brought back from the dead. Because I cannot possibly die permanently. Yeah. It cannot happen. <laughs> it will never happen. When I die, it's not the end. That's true. But it's just you. the beginning. That's the mummy is, is experiencing a strong meme meme resurrection, and I'm oh, all yeah. for it. I'm all, the best I'm all in of all it. Time. It's so I couldn't sleep after I saw it for the first time. Mike, shut I was, up. I was, I was 10 years old, and I saw it for the first time, and I didn't realize it was a comedy, and I couldn't sleep because that very <laughs> night. Because that very night there was a strong ass fucking thunderstorm outside, yeah, and man. I could not sleep. I was horrified. Yeah. I was a little <laughs> bit, sleep because it was Imhotep. Because it was Imhotep. That's right. And my parents were laughing at me like this was a funny movie. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to die. This mummy's the going thing to that kill freaked me, me out In, was the bugs, the scarabs. You know. Yeah, it's it was that, everything. Everything scared the shit out of me. I was so scared. <laughs> my my wife still makes fun of me. My parents still make fun of me to this day. And I love the mummy now. It's a it is first of all a so funny second qualifier horror movie but the first yeah. it is a phase of comedy but yeah, my horror comedy. God. one of the best combinations of yeah that you could possibly have prosciutto and, and melon it's, and it's horror one, and comedy it was well made too like <laughs> incredibly made yeah. yeah the cgi looks like shit now but like not as bad as you That's might expect wonderful yeah <laughs> What a good movie. We should all anyway, yeah. anyway, what are we talking about? We today? gotta go back to Russia eventually. <laughs> Egyptology. You know, uh, I really like the thing. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, of course. The thing was wonderful. A masterpiece. Late seventies, um, best time. No CGI. But uh, Exactly. Practical everything. Just yeah. like in Russia. That's why Jurassic <laughs> Park still holds up. That's why the thing still holds up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, going yeah, back so, to again, agriculture. <laughs> agriculture is boring, but at the same time, it kind of enables us to live, and it's yep. a huge part of what's destroying this planet right now. So, uh, right. I mean, I right. guess baby lefties, middle lefties, intelligent lefties, uh, and maybe not even lefties should look into agriculture methods and how to minimize yeah. our impact on this planet. Which, and uh, yeah, uh, shit like fun. that. Fun little thing to pop in there before we continue on. We 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 get back on track, I guess. Is when uh, when us white dudes came over to uh, what is now the United States of America, uh, we ended up thinking that a lot of these like these uh, agricultural setups were just chaos. 
you're like, this is bullshit. You guys are idiots. You ha- you like you make a mound and then it's just random shit planted on it. You're stupid and I hate you. And then we killed all of them and you know and we thought we were justified in that. But in fact, what was happening is we weren't justified in that. Weird. Really? Uh, right. I know. This is, a, this is news to everyone. Wow. But, but only because of the but, agricultural but, method, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because what they were doing was actually smart. And that's wild. But what, what it actually was is that they had uh, different types of crops all in the same kind of zoning, I guess, that would rely on like different amounts of moisture, uh, kind of drippage things like that would and they replenish they their own rotate. soil or whatever yeah they would so replenish yeah, the nitrogen kind of rotation, fallow everything fields like that. and all that yeah just everything they just had these crazy mounds that like everything would interact with everything and then they yeah. would rotate it and it's like oh okay well it's no it's actually just that they're smarter than you are yeah. uh yeah oh, yeah so just as an example of how awesomely smart europeans were the colony of uh the uh i guess was it a commonwealth Coming from the, uh, Virginia, the first couple oh. colonies that showed up, um, they were so <laughs> into planting. They were yeah, so so into planting tobacco because cash crop yep. that they didn't plant food and don't uh, need yeah. it. Which <laughs> is incredible, which is like my favorite. Shit. My favorite thing because Amazing. that still happens in yeah. suburbs where everyone has like monoculture lawns, and it's like, why I, don't you grow like thirteen different types of like food? I, wish, I, I can't it. stand i'm in a very kind of boomer way i can't stand mowing the lawn man then I, don't just, just plant just <laughs> plant the food it's the grow corn thing. in your front yard yeah corn is incredibly destructive to the soil i wish they would it abolish is. no it's corn. fucked up it's they need to abolish and we grow corn. so much stand. of it it is so disgusting it. It's, right. i i don't what's like what's going on with russia <laughs> no this is important corn sucks no grow more corn for ethanol and yeah fuck up twice yeah sorry no i'm kidding so you have movement from um uh, riverbeds to mountain beds uh moscow becomes important because it is this new kind of center of essentially tax collection for mongols so yes uh, i'm originally right. from moscow right. and we started off as uh rats we would rat on our fellow fucking principalities oh, that kind of rats. Uh, collect up the slaves send them down to the mongols so yeah oh. hence we accumulated financial power became powerful and started lording it over the other principalities go figure right a uh, slave economy Capitalism. what do you call people from Good moscow shit. Like genuine Muscovites. question. Um, Muscovites? Well, in in awesome. English, it's Muscovites. Um, in... Okay. Muscovites. I didn't know oh that. God, I'm totally blanking on my Russian right now. It's, it's a part of beauties of uh, bilingualism. Is Muscovici. So, in Russia, it's Muscovici. Okay. So, so what, what you're saying is that, like, yeah, there were black slaves, uh, but really the first slaves were Muscovites. <laughs> <laughs> the first and slaves Irish, were... And the Irish. Everyone was slaves, man. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into Russian right, serfdom. Right. We're gonna get into Russian serfdom yeah. and about how they okay. were literal slaves, but also they were not literal slaves. This is because they were serfs. Just, it, they were serfs, but serfdom in Russia was different than serfdom okay. in I mean, Western Europe. No, no, no. It's it's it, it, serfdom in Russia is one of these interesting things because, well, again, uh, see if you kind of can follow along with me here, if you're. Um, a scholar of the American South, but serfdom actually became worse as time went on, became more like slavery. Are we picking okay. anything up? Any connections here? Uh, because slavery in America also did not, um, how do we phrase this correctly? Sla- slavery in, slavery in America. Slavery definitely, slavery yeah. in America actually got it, worse for it, the slaves it, yeah. as time went right. on. It, it right. started out I mean. mostly started as like, like seasoning an, slaves and stuff. They well, were 100% still slaves at the beginning, but at the end, it was much, much worse. 
Yeah, I mean, at the the beginning, slavery was more like an indentured servitude sort of arrangement, and then it moved into, like, full chattel slavery. So that was until a group of black and white uh, slaves escaped. And then they they, uh, sentenced... uh, I think I lost you guys. Hello. No, you're, 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 okay. I'm listening. Is this the uh, is this yeah, the eighteen eleven no, Louisiana thing? Uh, are, yeah. No. Like. Uh, like. I. I remember that. Like. Uh, there was like an a uh, acceleration of uh, chattel slavery after mm. like I think like two or three black serfs or it was like maybe it was one black serf and then a group of white serfs uh, escaped and were captured. And the black serfs were uh, uh, sentenced to chattel slavery, permanent slavery. Yeah. And then oh, so that, that would have been earlier on in probably Virginia then. Started, started uh, uh, coming to America. And then oh, you geez. also have, because slaves are treated as, as, as product, you, you also have an acceleration in that kind of regard. Um, like one of the facts that always terrifies me, um, and I mentioned that just uh, just a moment ago, but is the seasoning of slaves, if you guys are familiar with this this terminology, which is uh, there are a lot of tropical diseases in the South. And to make sure that slaves could manage in those conditions, they moved a lot of them, well, and for a lot of different reasons, moved a lot of them into the Caribbean uh, to deal with worse tropical conditions, see which ones of them lived and then move them into the south and so all that's just one example of many different kind of ways of making the system more brutal so that you can produce better product through eugenics right yeah i mean it's it's not the the goal isn't isn't brutality uh, the goal is efficiency uh, right yeah yeah was Sorry, go ahead, John. Isn't the last controlled, uh, or maybe Brazil isn't a seasoning colony, but all the all the slave seasoning colonies, uh, uh, they killed all the white people eventually, right? I mean, Haiti did pretty well. Yeah, Haiti did pretty well. That's, that's kind of the basis there. Tucson, <laughs> we can talk about Haiti. Yeah, I yeah. loved your guys. No, I loved your guys' episode on Haiti, and I wish well, I, could, yeah. well, thanks, I wish I could have live tweeted it because, like, <laughs> there's so much because there's so much cool Napoleonic shit that we can talk about yeah. then, and uh, yeah. how the National Convention. Oh, there's so um, much more to it. Was, yeah, there. how it drove the liberation of slaves. Um, in the nascent french republic and how for a time the nascent french republic was actually all about freeing slaves and how delegates from the national convention came over to haiti and confirmed the fact that hey slaves are free and then of course naturally uh, some rich motherfuckers got together and were like yeah and then of course uh, eventually the national convention is subsumed and you have uh, you know the bourgeois capitalist fucking engine takes its thing and eventually napoleon's like hey uh slavery is totally chill now right and so. the, the the only real reason i don't think we covered up this on the pod but for some reason i don't know why i forget most of the podcasts that we do um but yeah um but uh, the thing that really ends up leading to the success of the Haitian Revolution is the fact that they more or less become a proxy war between the French and the Spaniards and end up in English. English. Yeah, it's the French. Yeah, and the, English. There, there, the reason the French raid. My memory's fucked up. Okay. Well, it's the English? troops in there. Well, maybe maybe at some point, perhaps. Uh, I, did we just lose? No, no, we did no, not. We're all here. We're you all still here. Have your hands up. Okay. No, no, I'm, I'm just shocked um, by my misremembering. The, mo- 
No, 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 it's fine. I'm sure because uh, obviously you have uh, the Dominican Republic or, you know, the island of Hispaniola. So it is, in fact, half Spanish, half French. Right. At the time, uh, Napoleon was able to address the revolt. No, it is. Because um, there was a lull in the British and French fighting. He sent a force of 20,000 under the aptly named General Rochambeau. We all love this guy. We all love the name. Um, And he, again, horrible, brutal, murdered people, whatever. 20,000 dead Frenchmen um, of malaria. Obviously, Mm -hmm. they they send Frenchmen from Europe to a tropical country. All of them fucking die of malaria. They get there. They get they get dunked on. And eventually they have to get rescued by British ships. What I'm talking about with the, yeah, with the French ahead. and the Spanish is that the Spanish in the in the Dominican Republic are saying, if you fight the French, we will free you. And the French are saying, if you fight the Spanish, we'll free you. Like the, one, one was saying, we will take this space over. I, I am we'll not prepared to answer yes or no to this because I guess I have not done my research. I, I, so I, I, I need to look back on this. Yeah. I, we There's will all wonderful... get back to the listener. And let us know which one podcast. of us is misremembering in a weird way. There's one of podcast called Revolutions by some guy who did the history of Rome. Again, I super recommend that podcast too. But yeah, he does a podcast called Revolutions, which is just about revolutions. It has a super capitalist nice. spin on it, but through yeah. his, uh, not a capitalist, but he has an American spin on it. But through okay. his American I mean. talk, <laughs> uh, capitalists and whatever, they all, tell, they all tell on themselves in the end. And it's just through it, you get these little glimpses of, oh, he didn't mean to say this, but what really happened was, so it, it's just, yeah. Um, I guess maybe I'm just reading too much into it. It's, it's hard to, I try not to presuppose, but motherfuckers just be telling on themselves sometimes. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So the, the Haitian revolution is incredible because immediately yeah. everyone starts fucking with the country. And uh, it is certainly not because of, Haiti that the ha- that right. Haiti is currently in a horrible fucking state of the city. No. Concerted effort by yeah. And yeah. we have all made it so much worse. Sorry. No, yeah. it's definitely not your fault. I mean, yeah, I can speak I, about I've done a lot of this. I could extend World War II to a 10 episode <laughs> podcast and so, not be done talking. Oh yeah. Uh but what year um, are we on? Oh god. Um, 1400. Let's say let's let's but just let's we were get just rid talking Mongols, about right? they've uh, been here for the, too long. The Mongolian the Mongols, been here, the Mongols yeah. have been here too long. It's time to kick them out. Um, okay. Obviously, the Mongol Empire undergoes its own transition and transitionary state loses its grasp on a variety of locations. You have successor states. Uh, the most uh, yeah, and and the Russia was really capitalizing on. Um, the fact that the Mongol Empire had so much infighting at the time, yeah, and they really just like were not even focused on on Russia at this point because of how much infighting. Yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. So you had the the Golden Horde, which was a successor state to the Mongol Empire, or maybe that came later. Again, this is a variety. No, no, no. Of this this states, is this but... is checking out with my memory of. I, I did a little bit of research yeah. before I, I went into this as well. So yeah, so I think the most solid successor state to the Mongol Empire is Ming China. Or whatever empire became the current ruling dynasty, and they held on for quite a while until Qing. Uh, but uh, and this, of course, that's the that those that's the empire that Marco Polo goes and visits. Those are Mongol rulers or Manchu rulers, essentially. Right. So Mongol successors. Um, but uh, yeah. But so eventually, Russia overthrows at the head of this grand principality of Moscow that, through titanic efforts, um, 
tries to unite some people, but there's still some Russian princes that fight against uh, Moscow. So it's still this big feudal bent. Uh, but eventually at the Battle of uh, Kulikova Field, again, this titanic fight, um, Russia wins or Moscow wins. Again, Russia is not a thing. Um, uh, the Muscovite Principality wins, throws off the Mongol yoke, 250 years. There's a huge kind of thing in Russian nationalism. like, well, uh, black folks like to say that they were enslaved. We were enslaved for 50 years, but we don't complain. Uh, look at <laughs> Mongolia now. Yeah. You know what I'm All saying? Right. Like, I think Russia's kind of past yeah. Mongolia. So that's why we don't get to fucking complain about, you know, it's dynamics of power. That's important. Great basketball right? teams in Mongolia. You know though. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, Mongolia is really cool. Well, like, that like, sounded like a racist joke. It's not. They love basketball. They no, yeah, no, they do. do. Yeah. That, and, uh, there's a series on Netflix about like national sports. And I think it's in Kyrgyzstan where they play like polo with a dead goat. And it's awesome. Hell yeah. This is the coolest shit ever. Like Kyr- these Kyrgyzstan. are straight up, just straight up step nomads. And they're just Everyone's all cooler than awesome. me. Teddy, t- Teddy, did you ever go to uh, Kyrgyzstan? No, I've never been outside uh, okay. European Russia so, in so terms when, of within Russia. When I deployed during uh, uh, shit Operation Enduring Iraq, Freedom, Iraqi Freedom, <laughs> Operation Iraq. Enduring Freedom, Afghanistan, yeah. different different illegal war. You'll always you'll always <laughs> have that over me. I never got to do that I fun dis- stuff. It's not something I hold over people, but uh, you stop in Kyrgyzstan on the way to Afghanistan. And Kyrgyzstan is very odd because it's got a a huge amount of Russian influence. And then also there's a very Asian influence as well. I I would Mm -hmm. guess Mongolian is probably where that influence comes from. Well, they're all Turkic people. Like it it just ethnically is a bunch of Turkic people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's very, very interesting. There's like a bunch of like old uh, Soviet like memorabilia there. And then like also like (laughs) Mongolian memorabilia (laughs) stuff like. And Milky Way bars. Yeah. Like Soviet successor states for some reason love like all the chocolate bars that they don't like in the states i think there's a reason for that so russia's all about like mars bars and like milky way i remember in the 90s uh, my grandma got a side hustle um, and she was selling these fucking newly newly available american chocolate of course we're in europe we grew up with actual chocolate and yet people couldn't get you know so this this stuff is obviously chemical trash but uh, yeah people couldn't get enough of it because it's new you know oh you gave me this new shit and yeah so my my grandma kind of hustled you know had a side hustle because <laughs> hey we don't have heavy industry anymore more on that later but um so yeah back back to yeah, uh expelling reality. the models yeah so mongols are gone we have to build kind of a polity but russia is by no means unified it takes centuries up until um ivan the terrible you guys are familiar with ivan the terrible right Mm -hmm. but it wasn't just him it's ivan the first second and third he's ivan the fourth um so it's essentially the equivalent of john so pretty common name so ivan the fourth and his grand granddad and whatever all that's again there's a bunch of history here that i'm not really up on i used to be up on but a lot but with the conquering of uh, Muslim Tatar, it, uh, we call them Tatars, but it's really Mongolian Turkic people. Uh, with the conquering of the Kazan province, we finally expel most uh, of Mongolian influence. Um, and uh, Ivan the Terrible declares himself the Tsar, which is Caesar. He right. decides to become an emperor. 
Um, and I guess, again, it's called the czar. And on my Napoleonic forums, I always fight the fucking fight with people because it's etymology and I like to nitpick. And people are like, well, when the czar decided to do this, I'm like, it's the 1800s. Russia is an empire ruled by an emperor. He was addressed <laughs> as an emperor. He was not called the czar. Uh, that's my little pet peeve. But again, it shows, again, violently autistic. I am violently autistic about this shit. So, and, uh, um, and obviously, God bless all the listeners that are because, uh, yeah, really? I'm, I'm, yes, those are my favorite listeners, which is the only reason I listen to your stupid <laughs> complaints I'm so in my stu- DMs. I'm so stupid. I complain so Fucking much. Idiots. I hate you. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I love it. This has become Please very antagonistic. Someone someone's got a fucking listen to me but my, my family sure doesn't um but uh, my daughter won't listen to me bless, my bless her. she's actually she's so normal i love her yeah. so much that is um, nice that is good normal daughter. she's the only kind of blessing of normalcy i have in my life um but yeah back to the autism um yes so he declares himself <laughs> so, our, yeah. <laughs> so and a lot of people like to think even in russia even people close to the matter like to think that it was Peter that modernized Russia. You know, people that Peter know anything. Great. Yes, people that know anything at all about Russia know about Peter the Great and how uh, before Peter, it was just all long beards and dumb Russian hats. <laughs> and all of a sudden, after Peter, it was all Westernized everything and things are better. And again, it was, a pro- it, was a, it was a process. Can Russia, I go ahead? Can I share my favorite Peter the Great fact uh, as an argument for why he probably wasn't the guy to modernize things entirely? Go ahead. There's he, again, a very powerful personality. He was one of the tallest men of his age. Yeah, uh, he's both really good and Both good and bad. He did some awful shit. Yeah. He actually did some really smart shit. Go. He tortured his own son to death. And as he was torturing him to death, apparently he was sobbing and screaming, why are you making me do this to you? Why are you making me do this to you? It's and so I am skeptical about him being a massively progressive or the primary <laughs> progressive force. Well, <laughs> his his own his older sister oh. tried to murder him and his and his brother. Uh, right. So there was the yeah there was there was a family dynamic there, and of course, well, of course, it's a very famous. Your son, don't be weird about it. Just yeah. do it. Was it his sister? Or his I thought his aunt tried to kill him. Sophie, I think was I think was a Sophie was a sister, wasn't she? Now you're making me question myself. I only know the sun thing, and that he was very tall, and he has a very good painting of him on a bridge. That's all. That's what I I am unfamiliar with this painting. I'm familiar. I may have invented it in a dream. There is a wonderful (laughs) painting of Peter the Great during the sack of Narva. It's just Russian soldiers just going to town on the Swedes. I need to. I'm not, I'm not imagining a wartime thing. I'm just imagining yeah. them just fucking a bunch of sweets. Uh, yeah. Just just love. Yeah. So Peter There's the Great. Just, yes, the Siege of Narva, 1704. This picture is hilarious because Peter's on horseback and Russian soldiers are just like going to town. It's lovely. But <laughs> it's horrible. But yeah. Um beautiful. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, we've really what a, we've what a we've, tall 
handsome gentleman. Yeah, he was. Sorry, uh, he, he was a really kind of low humor. He, you know, cutting people's beards off yeah. for fun. But fun things included like, uh, you know, just eating the most, throwing, seeing who could vomit the farthest, that sort of stuff. You know, pretty typical. Oh, I've monarch, done that. Pretty typical yeah. monarch shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, lives are on the line always. So if they made the, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Hulu show, The Great. And they show how uh, what it's uh, stupid and accurate, of course. But they say how the Russian courts all that. No, Peter the Great was like that. Catherine the Great was shitty in a different way. But um, they show her as this. Of course, she's you know a strong, powerful woman, and da 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 da. She was one of the most absolute monarchs, and the serfs were oppressed worse under her than anybody else. So, despite the fact that she is a German, she was a German. So. Um, she's supposed to be this enlightenment monarch or whatever uh, she uh, allowed the worst fucking things to happen under her rule but before we get to peter the great we have to digress to the time of troubles which is this big interregnum between the uh descendants of rurik and the romanovs and this is an incredibly important time in russian history because a it informs what happens during the rest of the 18th century and even during the napoleonic wars because as we remember in our traditionalist philosophy, um, time is not a line, time is a circle. And what was there before will come again. And great grandpa, who's, uh, or grandpa, who's lying right there, who's living in our house, he's lying right there uh, next to the fireplace. He was there for the time troubles. And he can tell you about it. We can't read, but he was there and he can tell you about it. And it's a very, very real, th- huh? What period the six, was the troubles? This, uh shit uh early 1600s late 1500s uh, early 1600s okay okay so this is the time when the commonwealth uh uh, the commonwealth of poland lithuania is at the height of its power so that's our where the russians hate the poles and it's partially because of this uh because the poles were powerful and we're shitting on sending all those uh they were shitting on us at the time sun at night you know yeah screen door submarines yeah, so this this goes back to all the again. Poles are Catholic or Orthodox. Um, uh, the Poles are a little bit uh, democratic in their way. Russians are absolute. There's these a clash of cultures, clash of everything. They're kind of they're they're Slavs, but they're desperately wanting to be seen as as Europeans. So you know, it, there's a, again, uh, I'm not an expert. I never claim to be, but for in a folklore sense, a lot of the stuff happens. Uh, the poles come in and ransack our shit for a long time. Uh, eventually, we beat them. Eventually, we sit a minor nobleman boyar on the throne. Uh, I think his name his name is Mikhail. Uh, I don't remember if it was Mikhail Alexievich or Mikhail, whatever. It's the first Romanov, uh, Mikhail the first, I think. Um, Michael essentially and he and his son start the modernization uh, the introduction of westernized regiments in the army uh the hiring of german masters to start making artillery and of course ivan the great had artillery uh before them uh, artillery and western troops and again russians are not fucking peasants with pitchforks we have we have guns we have cannons we have sophisticated armor making techniques we're right into klim zhukov's uh, wheelhouse right here by the way this is stuff he can talk about um uh, so again, Russia, Russia has a competent military since before the Mongols were kicked out. But now we really start to shine, and it comes to it, it comes to bear against the Polish, who again have the best cavalry in the world at this time. Um, and eventually, they're defeated. 
and then we we continue to clash with the poles for the rest of the 16th 17th and 18th century um but um yeah we kind of carve out our little space and peter uh just like uh, alexander of macedon alexander the great did not create um the macedonian army and go and conquer the fucking world but his dad did that his dad created the army so alexander was able to go conquer the world with it the same thing was with peter um his father alexei Mikhailovich, alexei my dad's name actually um created this westernized army uh regiments of uh western formation he created the germanic quarter the german quarter in moscow it's a whole neighborhood full of immigrants essentially super lucrative contracts hey come over here teach us how to do shit we'll pay you by the bucket load you can practice your weird protestant shit over here it's were, chill were these it's the chill. uh the germans chill. that would become known as the the volga germans or um or is that a different group of germans I'm sure it, it could be part of that at the moment but yes the volga germans yes the the, the colonization of the volga occurred Possibly at this point. At one point, they transferred the uh, inhabitants of uh, Veliki Novgorod to Nizhny Novgorod or Lower Novgorod on the Volga. There's two cities in Russia called Novgorod, and one of them, uh, <laughs> Veliki Novgorod, was conquered by the Muscovite uh, principality because Novgorod was an extremely rich Hanseatic trading republic. They had a prince, but um, it was really the VHA or this kind of um, pseudo democracy that kind of ruled. So they had this kind of republic, like mercantile republic thing going on, and they uh, there's this whole other digression we could do with Alexander Nevsky and the Livonian Order and the Teutons and the Danish and the Swedes and all that shit. There's a lot of history up there by modern Estonia and modern, uh, you know, former Ingria and all that stuff. So the Baltic again, why Russians see the Baltics as theirs because right. we have a lot of history there. Um, but again, there's you know national self determination and all that stuff, and um, there's. Okay, I do not agree with this. I do not agree with this. This is I'm just giving examples of uh, why uh, some people might think the way they do. Again, people aren't stupid. They have historical bases to base stuff off of, even if they're terrible ideas. Um, but uh, yeah, so Peter the Great inherits this ready-made thing, the uh, Strelce, which is essentially a settled kind of warrior class, not quite nobles, but essentially a warrior cast gets riled up by his sister he puts him down and at that point he's far more absolute he's able to he immediately uh, starts to try to conquer land down south from the crimean tatars that's how you have crimea he is unsuccessful he gets his fucking ass kicked down there he conquers uh the town of azov he's kicked out of there he has to cede it again again tens of thousands of lives lost no go so he has to go north and North is this incredibly powerful empire of Sweden. Sweden at the, uh, maybe, well, I don't know if they were at the peak of their power, but some are close to it. Again, Sweden uh, gets its imperial chops during the Thirty Years' War, uh, Gustavus Adolphus, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with um, this great Protestant power kind of rescued uh, the Protestant League during um, the Thirty Years' War, along with French help. France loves to be uh, fighting against other Catholic powers at this time because uh, France is stuck between two sets of Habsburgs, the ones in Austria and the ones in uh, Spain. So they don't like that. So they do their own kind of thing to, again, balance power. Nobody really cares about religion. It's all about balance right, power. Right, right. Uh, so, Just as so, a, a train of fun fact, yeah. you know how many fucking people died in Thirty Years' War? Um, uh, I think it wasn't matched by casualties until World War One. 
It was eight million. Yeah. 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 It was mostly from starvation. As, as usual, it was yeah. mostly yeah. from starvation. And it was mostly right. in this weird kind of uh trough or narrow strip of land and like the Palatinate and Württemberg and all that, like cent- south central Germany. Right. And yeah. It right. was yeah. I'm reading a book it, about it, that too. It culminated, it culminated in something far worse, actually, in in uh, Hobbes writing Leviathan. <laughs> well, what it ended up, what it ended up, uh, what it ended up coming up with is uh, the concept of statehood or being a yeah. state. So this yeah. is before a nation. This That's is a whole really this is whole, accidentally this is, the joke I made, and I'm yeah. going to take credit for it. Thank you. No, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Hobbes is part of it, but of course, Westphalia is yeah. where they determined that hey, right. uh, these aren't yeah. personal properties of yeah. the counts and kings, but rather uh, these polities that have people in them, and you can't really subdivide them or whatever because people yeah. get real mad. And you know, religion's a separate issue, but um, again, yeah. Uh, we're kind of devolving. And again, you guys were talking about last time about how uh, mercenaries are becoming a thing again and how we used to have mercenaries in mm-hmm. check because we have these really strong uh, states that are able to maintain control of mercenaries, but how we're devolving again. Yeah, we're devolving back into the 30 years war. Yeah. Where awesome. Mercenaries with absolutely no um, fealty to lord or land and literally just, oh, you guys will pay better? Chill. Let's go over yeah. to the other side. Yeah. No they worries. Three, three-year contract. Yeah, right. <laughs> wonderful stuff. As the parallels draw themselves, and I again, the whole uh, Marx is wonderful here in that the first time it's a tragedy, the second time it's a farce. But I'm sure he forgets to add that even the farce can be tragic. So right. um, the farce, I think, is more tragic. But uh, he was, of course, talking about Napoleon the first, Napoleon the third. But uh, and Napoleon the first, of course, killed the what is it? Three or four million people died directly or indirectly because of Napoleon. The first, right. but Napoleon III um, was just a shit heel. Yeah, he was <laughs> just super incompetent. And he was he was terrible. Yeah, uh, he did win Italy as independence, though. So, by the way, Teddy, what's up, man? I, I was wrong, and you're right for the listener. Uh, it was it was his sister who tried to kill him. Yeah, I'd like to think so, man. If I don't have that down, then what what business do I have being on this podcast? Yeah, um, our, our rest. Our Ruski guy got the Ruski thing right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, she I did not mean to cast out on you. No, you're good, dude. I uh, just, uh, yeah, she lucked out, actually. She got to spend the rest of her life in an in a, in a Orthodox monastery. She got to live. It was incredible. Yeah, that didn't uh, happen she, she, that. she conspired to kill him, and she got to live, which was remarkable. Guys, um, if any of you want to send me to a monastery, I'll do it. Yeah. Just, just so- send me. I'm done. Was this portrait her punishment? Like <laughs> she was, a, she was a beautiful looking woman. I don't see it. Oh yeah, Teddy's not watching the feed, but yeah, yeah, I'm not seeing the feed. But I, I've seen, oh. I've seen her portrait before, and she's a, she's a, yeah, she's a thick girl. Oh, I love it. But, um, yeah, she's I mean, like, like just like how angry her expression is. Yeah, yeah she, well, she course, doesn't look like a happy this person. This was like drawn. The only, this is like the we, only image I've ever. This seen portrait that. was drawn after. She does look like the villain. We she's stand. This portrait was drawn the after. Ugly that, so. Russian thickies. Yeah. <laughs> Again, understand, even art is political. This was drawn yeah. probably yes. after her time. Especially art is political. So naturally, yeah. uh, hello, this was this horrible sister to our great ruler. We yeah. need to draw her as such. Um, but I'm sure there's got to be modern art or, or contemporary art of her somewhere. There's always a lithograph hiding somewhere. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's That's a good uh, motto. 
There's always a lithograph somewhere, right. guys. It's yeah. it's belief. It's like, there's always money in the banana stand. There's yeah. always a lithograph Literally. somewhere. Yeah. But uh, again, uh, I'm skipping so much. I'm realizing I've skipped so much shit, but we're just going to plow ahead. Um, and let I mean, me know if you want to do a second wanna... episode. Yeah, no, I, I, I know, think uh, I, would, I wouldn't remember where to pick up from. You guys would have to steer me again. But well, yeah, but obviously we, we, the, the we've got a recording of, of it is... so we can uh, we can figure oh, out is that where right? we is that what we're doing here <laughs> that is what okay. we're doing yeah <laughs> wait we record this we do record Whoops. this I'd like oh to god i back. would not have said any of that yeah i'd like to take back so much um no <laughs> yeah unfortunately the breadth of material is only going to get thicker and thicker yeah like double c double c thicker and weird thicker, how but... i think uh, uh history does that because yeah, I, I, I could think, spend hours talking about just the Napoleonic Wars. I think you know, I think uh, invasion of Russia is such an incredible seminal <laughs> moment for what is essentially right. manufacturing nationalism. There was no nationalism, or if there was, it was not what we would consider national. Again, this, I could right. get my fucking head ripped off for saying this <laughs> because so many um, different kinds of. Uh, governments and people and groups, whatever. Uh, again, my brain's not working because I'm trying to translate Russian in my head as I'm talking in English. Um, have tried, have made it their political goal to say that, hey, this was an act of first uh, Russian nobles rallying the peasantry to support a monarchist regime, and 50 years later, it was a triumph of what a country can do when it unites behind um, an existing uh, will of. Uh, all the all the classes working together and 50 years from that is it was only the peasants despite yeah. the interference from the nobles in their proletarian ways that were able to throw off the yoke of the capitalist invaders and now it is only because they were ethnic russians that they were able to defeat the inferior French. Right. you know what i'm saying like this yeah. narrative goes on but none of it is right the closest yeah. ones of course as always are the primary sources wherein people talk about why people actually fought and yeah. why and why it was and that's it's delving through it, it, historiography is an incredibly important thing nowadays and it's it's Extremely. a developing wildly important field and it is the, through this this is something i can actually say i have read myself of a riot because oh. napoleonic wars is my fucking thing i'm so sorry i keep interrupting i'll finish i promise i say no um, no but um just to finish cancel uh, just finish this thought here is um the historiography of it is super important, but it is getting to the primary sources and getting to what actually happened. And I remember this being a five-year-old looking at postcards because in the Soviet Union, they made postcards of the 1812 war and they had little grenadiers and, and soldiers and shit. And at that age, I was like, yes, this is what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be that right. dude in those fucking super tight pants. But Oh my God, so hot. But like... <laughs> um, uh, this is only it's an interest i've had in forever but like only within the last year or so quarantine has awakened something in me and i've started it's, to really really dig into scholarly shit regarding this incredibly pivotal it's called the patriotic war in russia and world war ii is called the great patriotic war and it's this duality this connection the fact that the great patriotic war is this spiritual successor to this very similar kind of uh kicking out the invaders but at the same time it's nothing at all like that it is nothing like right. that whatsoever uh it's it, and there's so many different ways you can approach this and at the same time reading through western historiography it totally exists has this blank 
spot in that for 80 years, Russian uh, archives were completely not accessible. So you have the, these branches of historiography that have formed completely independent of one another. Uh, long story short, it's an incredible topic. I love talking about it, and we can talk about that for a long time. And I, I, I got two two little things to kind of just respond and build off to with that, but they're small and, and probably not worth responding to because I'm stupid. No one. Likes I will me. respond everything. Um, Go. <laughs> I will answer everything um, in order. No, number one, COVID definitely turned half of us into scholars and half of us into fucking idiots. It's it's either or. I don't think that there's an in between there. I did both. Yeah. Unabashedly, one hundred percent, unapologetically ra- radicalized me. I was a lukewarm, uh, yeah. fucking liberal until twenty twenty. Right. Full stop. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, and the second part is, and Christopher Hedges says a lot about this, uh, and it's really important that you, you brought it up, but that in these revolutionary moments, we always end up romanticizing them as being like, there was an upwelling of the impoverished classes that ended up causing this kind of change, when for the good or for the bad, that's not necessarily how it occurs, you always end up needing some amount of defecting people from the ruling class in order to make anything like this work. And, and that's so exactly what happened. Yep. Exactly. And so, and so every time anything effective happens, there's always some agreement from the ruling class, and that is always necessary. Uh, so, you know, keeping that in mind, kids. So my notes as we leave this, which I, I sense is what's happening here, um, but is look up the fucking the Treaty of Westphalia uh, and how young states are uh, and consider how important it is to bringing the ruling class into a lie with the people. Um, and not that I'm trying to tell you to do anything weird. Just read those things. Oh, go go fucking nuts, guys. Go nuts. Read this <laughs> shit. I will yeah. provide sources in English and Russian. Please. That is not a problem for me. Yeah. I just needs to be you need to, you need to direct my anger at exactly what you want, because otherwise I'll drop a list of two hundred books on you. Y'all don't want that. <laughs> I'm um, done with it. But, but uh if obviously if you guys want to do it, I have a couple very final closing points to make, but of course they're please. not yeah, yeah, they're go not, ahead. So if you guys please, uh Mike and John, if you guys have anything to um, not that we're closing out the episode. I'm running this podcast now, motherfucker. No. Um, <laughs> I got my finger but on the, the stop record button. Any, so if you have any thoughts right now before I kind of close my bit, and then I'm sure you guys can have your no, no, no. Go, go ahead, go ahead and close your bit, and uh, we'll we'll go my, from there. The kind of closing points is I think I've already made my first point. Is people weren't stupid. This will continue to be a thread throughout. People were ignorant, but they were not stupid. Yes. You will see this specifically within revolutions. You do need that ruling class kind of thing. But very oftentimes you have these self-organized things and they are the Russian word is um, stihine, which means as if uh, fuck again, I'm just I'm really bad at translating on the fly, but as if a natural disaster, as if by will of nature, something starts to occur. And something that can't, yes, kind of, it, it just it cataclysmic implies more negative, but it just means as if with a right. will of will of its own, like a will of nature, things start to coalesce. Sometimes right. it's just time. The French Revolution is a wonderful example of this. Um, the Russian Revolution is a wonderful example of things just happen at a point, and it doesn't have to be the specific point. It could have been this point could have been prevented. Uh, the whole uh, alternative history people like to say, can you have done something to prevent the, nothing could have prevented the Russian revolution, nothing except the complete solution of the agrarian question. 
and that couldn't have happened because the nobility would have lost its shit. Uh, otherwise, there, there would have been a government. Uh, there would have been a revolution from the right. Um, so essentially, if one thing didn't cause it, another thing would have. If this thing didn't cause it, something else would have. The same thing and with the French Revolution. So yeah, um, I think the term ahead. ultimately catastrophism. Yeah. Right? Is isn't that the the theory of history where sudden occurrences cause a massive change? Yes, but they're never sudden. They're never sudden once you analyze them. There there are centuries. There are centuries of direct and indirect causalities that lead into this. uh, My 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 thesis's subtitle uh, is 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 uh, process catastrophism and inhuman economy. I don't even kind of a joke about how catastrophism is always uh, part of a process or processes. And so- I don't have a master's, man. Yeah. I, I barely know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so catastrophism, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I said cataclysm. I mean, you, you good, man. Yeah. John, did you have something, man? Oh yeah, no, I was, I was just gonna say that uh, like uh, about catastrophism that uh, neolibs are going to be shocked about the catastrophe of when they're being eaten alive in the streets. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be like, "How could how could we have prevented this? How could this happen?" All of a, all of a sudden, in the last yeah. twenty hours, everybody got super mad at us, and we don't wow. know why. Really and we and we did so good. Yeah, no, this is, and it's sad because in reality, yeah. Great man I'm, theory I'm a, gets really weird when recycling a, doesn't stop you from being eaten by the Well, bacteria. again, I'm not. There, there's there's people that are like all. The, the, I I think that great man has a has a part to play. No matter how small, because Napoleon is Napoleon. Yeah. You can't discount Napoleon. Yeah, so, so again, so there's diabetes. always yeah, but um, <laughs> he was not short. But um, no, he wasn't. He was above. He was above. He was, a, he, was a, he was above everything. Because actually, the French and English foot were different lengths. Yeah, he was above <laughs> average height, and the French were on average actually taller than Russians. So French right. were taller than Russians, and he was one of the tallest French. Usually he's portrayed next to his grenadiers, which wore bear hats, and they had height requirements of six feet. So naturally he's going Damn. to look shorter next to his grenadiers. So those are big boys. <laughs> there's some big old. Is boys. that where the term bear comes from? Or yeah, I imagine it comes. I'm sure it comes from the proper bear, not from the. Oh, <laughs> like the animal. Oh, I, don't I, know. I was looking for some I, kind yeah, of historical gay, uh, gay, like a uh, hairy. <laughs> early gay man that's weird. yeah love it yeah no i'm too fat to be a bear but it's uh, maybe maybe someday <laughs> if i work real hard what um, what is okay so like a, a a lightweight bear is a is a wolf uh, <laughs> a lighter weight wolf is an otter what's a heavy bear i feel, I feel like a, we're getting into the rhino? phrenology An of elephant. gay communities here an elephant <laughs> yeah. i think um, i think you can be as heavy as no, you hair, want hair, bear, if, in, term, in yeah, terms yeah. of in yeah. terms of hair i think we're gonna have to go like mastodon that's just big thick thickums and mastodons guys... are mastodons and mammoths are native to russia Teddy K is not just a bear. He's a furry, big old mastodon. Yeah, but big old mastodon. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm sure I had another point to make, but this is this is yeah. as good a time to end as any. Uh, this is this is always going to be open-ended. I will always miss shit. And hopefully um, your audience engages and calls me out for the piece of shit that I am, because that will lead to audience engagement and God bless. So yeah. I love it. And so, we need to have you on as soon as possible. Yeah. Again, to yeah. Well, we'll, we'll schedule next something. Uh, <laughs> no, next week we got other things we need to cover. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. 
more <laughs> more right. more more recent sort of stuff uh, yeah yeah no, we could talk current affairs but uh yeah Politics like isn't, yeah. <laughs> it takes we'll, we'll well have you on again uh definitely we can talk about aristotle yeah um so mm-hmm. so uh to wrap this Someone episode up uh on the subject of uh listener engagement um while there was some ranting going back and forth i uh it dawned on me that we haven't checked the uh, the benzo rehab questions email in some time and there's a couple of questions in there i I reached out to the people who sent them um and we will we will be answering those questions on the next podcast oh damn it we can't do it now no they're they're long they're long questions they're long questions let's roll it out we're not gonna send them to me yeah yeah no i'll I'll send them to you later um okay so we'll we'll uh we'll answer those questions on the next podcast cool uh i want to do some more current event stuff on the next episode um and then we've got some uh some other guests that were kind of i i actually um may have another russian guest that that might be able to join us at some point i refuse is it cyril no it's not no damn it different russian i would have said yes then yeah um but anyways, uh, yeah, no, this is a this was a great uh, discussion, a lot of tangents, but I think it's important. And uh, yeah. you know, the 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 history of of a place like Russia is obviously tied into the the world in general. Um, <laughs> there we go. That was my second point. That was my second point. I'm so sorry. No, no, Russia, great. I'm glad I brought it up. People like for you. to say like Russia is and Dugan specifically. When we get into him, he's going to be like Russia is a Eurasian thing. No, Russia has right. always been since its very conception a European entity. That's all I Look, have to say. There are water people and there are land people. Okay, and it's <laughs> a Dugan only joke. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the... have you actually read uh, the uh, foundations of geopolitics? No, but, uh, I, I mean, there's no like good English theory. translations of his work. So I Which just is odd, considering he, speak, he speaks English. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we'll I get mean, I haven't found any. I might be an idiot and someone's going to correct me on that, which please do. But like, I, I just I can barely decipher the shit. I, I speed read scholarly fucking works. Yeah. And then I look at your homework from Truncata and I'm like, this is going to take me 30 minutes to read. You're welcome. Just use you. your fucking homework. God bless you. <laughs> By the way, yeah, yeah. Let me know what I can do pitches. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think we're we're good to wrap it up here. Uh, we're we're ending on, I guess, the end of Peter the Great uh, in Russian history. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll pick it up from there sometime in the near future. Uh, I'll talk to Teddy and uh, and the boys offline to figure all that scheduling out, so we're not doing it on the recording. Whatever um, they want to hear it. They want to see behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to see behind the curtain. I swear to God, <laughs> not not behind the curtain. Oh no, it's just me doggy dragging <laughs> just, my ass just, on the carpet. Balls back there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nothing but a wall of dildos. Uh, um, so yeah, uh, Danko, you got any pitches? I do. I have many. I have multiple. Uh, first off, I already mentioned it. Please go follow uh, Bringing Down the Grindhouse on Instagram. It's btgh podcast i believe yes um BD, i am doing bringing down the grindhouse underscore B-D-T-G-H. podcast yeah gh yeah, yeah whatever it's it's words i don't know words and letters and shit man people can find I it. studied english <laughs> uh but uh but yeah so follow them uh instead of doing one episode on uh the history of the witch trials we are doing three probably okay uh, so it's going to be like the bizarre version of this. We're going to cover a lot of the political stuff that's that we talked about here, but on the Western European end of it. 
Uh, and then the American end of it when we come into like the 1600s. So a lot of really fun stuff to cover there. Also a lot of feminism, a lot of like Marxian economics, a lot of everything, anarchism, just it's going to be a nightmare and it's going to be great. And uh, these people are not prepared for it. So follow them. They also love to get into like, you know, horror movies and stuff. That's what their podcast is about. And they, uh, they've been posting a lot about some stuff that I love. So uh, props to them. Cool. Also, Next month, um, we are, I'm going to be joining Foreign Object again. Uh, Foreign Object is a great, uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe them, but they essentially bring people together for different theory discussions. Uh, they've brought in people from like, that are CCRU adjacent or otherwise, like Ray Brezer. Uh, he's gone on there, uh, gave some great talks, even if he is kind of unbearable to listen to sometimes because he's very cynical, but so am I, so it's okay. Um, but, uh, and we also did the memes and philosophy, um, panel through them. So you'll recognize them for one of those two things. If you recognize them, I think, uh, but we are doing a two day seminar and workshop on building memes especially uh, philosophically inspired ones. Uh, so essentially a theory gram workshop for two days. Uh, that's the 14th and 15th of next month. Uh, and my last pitch, I believe, is that the fifth and final week of this month, uh, the 31st, I believe it is, whatever the Saturday is, 30th or 31st, uh, we are doing another open workshop. Um, I have not yet decided on what that's going to be, but uh, I'm figuring that out tomorrow. Nice. So uh, that'll be another open workshop for anyone to join in on, uh, and uh, it'll be a good time. The last two of them have been great. Um, yep. yep, for sure. Damn it. That's all my stuff. I got a lot of stuff. All yeah. right. Um, John, pitches, oh. guess. Oh, God, another one. And and just go to my Patreon so you can check all this stuff out. It's uh, patreon.com slash T-R-U-N-C-A-T-A. And um, we are doing the best we can right now. We donated all of the last batch uh, to uh, a family. Uh, we are going to do our best with either taking all the money from the pod, or not podcast, from the workshop and putting it either towards printing costs in the future so that we can produce something like a publication or towards some other worthwhile causes donations, things of the sort. I'm also very open to suggestions. Yep. So uh, all this stuff is ultimately going to be towards a nonprofit cause. So you can give me money without giving me money if you think I'm an asshole. Please give this man uh, money. Please give this man money. Please give this man money. Even it's though he's important. an asshole. Even the profit is, <laughs> even the profit itself is immoral. Uh, yeah, give this man money. He's been there. <clears throat> he knows. Um, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm done, I'm, I promise. John, no pitches, I'm guessing. Uh, no, I've got I've got a pitch. Oh, uh, you got the you got again? the microphone I, directly inside your mouth is also what you got. Yeah, no, I I I'd suggest to the listeners and or the listener and uh, the viewer, I guess. Are they the same person? Yeah, the same entity. Okay, they're not the same person, but they God are the same bless. entity. Yeah, God bless they're, they're, entity. They're at least two different hurts, people. <laughs> but uh, my, my my pitch is a suggestion to quit your job and stop participating. <laughs> yeah. Just see what just see what happens. I actually agree happy. with that. That's that's extraordinarily yeah. Nietzschean, like Nietzschean <laughs> in the sense of, of who Nietzsche actually was, not shitty Nazi interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Become, we become do... Nietzsche's awesome. Like if Teddy, like, what's up, man? I have I have some stuff I want to talk to you about after this. Okay. Uh oh, anytime, right. man. You know where right. I am. 
No, you, should, you shouldn't know where I am. Nobody you're, should know where I am. Teddy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna warn you in are. advance. You're you're like I don't know, three or Your four nights of DMing away from from seeing Dorian's butthole. That's um, not that's okay. <laughs> so uh as far as pitches for me go, um my my life has been very tumultuous in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I promise that uh, I am actually starting to work on some of these scripts uh, for for the uh, for the standalone videos. Uh, more educational, more researched, less uh, less unstructured sort of banter back and forth or anything like that. Um, yeah, my uh, my partner's had like multiple surgeries in the last couple of weeks, um, so it's she's been a fucking hero about it. She's a jam. yeah, she's a, she's a she's a trooper. Um, but it's also been very taxing on me, so I haven't had much time to to work on side projects or anything like that. Uh, but now I'm I'm able to start start up on that stuff again. Um, maybe scrapping the uh, uh, the idea I had about um, what's his fucking name. Uh, Orwell. Orwell. Thank you. Wow. See, I even forgot his name. That's how much I've, I'm done with it. Uh, <laughs> Wells. Uh, maybe working on more abstract things uh, than than that. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so, so that's my pitch. Is videos are eventually going to come. I promise. I, I know I've been promising it for a while, but things have been rough. So, anyways, um, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. We love you. Please take your medicine. Please take mine too. Make sure to save some for your friends.